Good evening, Sifters. It's Game Face, episode 49 on Sifted Games here on a Thursday, which initially was going to be a special episode, but we have some news. Game Face will be switching to Thursday permanently starting today. Yep. So Matt has acquired himself a new gig. Yeah, which we can't totally talk about yet, yep. but we'll get to it. But basically, it means traveling uh, from one side of L.A. to the other. Uh, during rush hour. During rush hour. <laughs> so we're going to have to have to pick a day that's like the easier day, like not a, not a crazy day at the new gig. And uh, we're going to maybe move a little bit later in the night so I can so I can make it here on time. Yeah, it looks like the show will be starting about an hour later, around 7 p.m. Pacific going forward, every Thursday at 7. Mm. It actually kind of works out. We've moved Pactor from the weekend to Monday, and so if Game Face is on Thursday, you actually kind of have an even gap between shows. So uh, give us a little mm. more time to play games. It's not quite as immediate as that Tuesday no, when everything's coming out. It's just, you know, real life getting in the way of the rest of real life. Yeah, And I apologize if it sets anybody's schedule whack uh, because of it, but there's not really any way around it. Yeah, that's life. Uh, I think the 7 p.m. start might be the tougher part for a lot of the European folks. Yeah, now you're getting up at, like, what, 4 in the morning yeah. or something? <laughs> I mean, some uh, you know, ungodly yeah. hours one way or the other. But. Yeah, we won't hate you guys if we, lose, if we lose you off the stream. We would totally understand, and that's what the archive is but for. Hell, if, you, if, if you're watching us now, you're watching us at that time anyway at some yeah. point. So. Yeah. So a couple things we want to talk about off the top. If you watched Pactor Factor this week, he dropped a little nugget in the show about a new program that we're doing. Um, they're basically called New Subscriber Raffles. So beginning tomorrow, there will be an article, so to speak, posted on Sifted. And every month what we're going to do is we're going to have a big bundle of swag, essentially, that will be raffled off to a new subscriber from that month. Now you have to be a premium subscriber and you have to be a premium subscriber in the United States. If you have a mailing address in the U.S., that's totally okay. Just don't tell us. As long as, you, <laughs> as, long as we ship it to that U.S. address, we just cannot ship internationally due to prizing laws in the United States. So if you have a bro in the U.S. or whatever that you can have us ship it to, we're totally fine with that. Again, don't tell us. Um, hmm. But just give us the address, and we'll ship it to you. But uh, So anyone who's uh, watching Game Face right now who maybe is on a free trial, or someone who's a basic subscriber and is thinking about stepping up to premium. Uh, basically, everybody who's, who subscribes as a premium subscriber for any given month will automatically be entered into the new subscriber raffle for that month. Now, there is a wrinkle as well, just to this month in particular. Uh, and this came out of the blue while we were filming Pactor Factor. Just out of nowhere, Pactor drops that that same person will also win two tickets to his E3 party at E3 2016. It is a big, that is a huge deal. That is, like, there's plenty of people in the industry who don't, have never gotten to go to that party. Like, I, we were, I was sitting there while we were recording the show, and he said that, like, didn't talk about it before we recorded or anything. He just dropped it in the show, and my jaw, like, hit the floor. It is a huge deal. Like, if you ever want to meet pretty much all everyone. your, everyone, yeah. all your heroes of gaming, um, you'll meet them at Michael Pactor's party. So, you know, if, if it does work out that whoever wins the raffle cannot come to the party, uh, we would certainly appreciate if you pass those tickets on, and we'll find somebody else who can come to give them to. But, uh, but yeah, and we're going to do this program every month. I just want to give further, further motivation for people who are trial subscribers to subscribe to the site. 
but that's running all the way through the month of May, and then we'll have another bundle of, sh of swag for June, July, August, and on and on. So just a new program to encourage people to become premium subscribers to Sifted. Hopefully it'll, uh, it'll pay off for us and it'll do well. Um, what else we got to talk about? Let's see a couple small news things that we want to mention before we get on with uh, the big six. Uh, EA basically said no to the NX this week. Well, <laughs> well, I guess their exact words were, if it makes sense. If it makes sense, which is in what corporate world, speak for no. Right. Like, in what world will it ever make sense? I don't know. That's it's just, uh, just some Dreamcast flashbacks right there. Yeah. After their unprecedented support of the Wii U yeah. that lasted all of about a month. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see. They had their, that's a launch. They had, much. they had their launch ports. Mm. No original games. And then Need for Speed came out a little later. And then, yeah. to the best of my knowledge, that was it. I can't think of anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unprecedented. Wow. As in, like... It was know, unprecedented <laughs> in how, like, weak it was. Anemic yeah. it was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the third parties aren't piling onto the NX at all. No. If it's coming out in March... You're looking at pretty much no third-party support at launch. I think it's going to be some Ubisoft stuff, probably. Maybe Coet. They didn't mention. They just had their financial report today. They didn't mention NX at all. Yeah. In fact, they meant they did. If mention, anybody ends up on board, I think it'll be Ubisoft. Probably they, they they've been a great partner to Nintendo. I can see like some kind of Wii U edition of, or not Wii U, but like NX edition of uh, like Watch Dogs Two. You know, Maybe like after the fact, it also got burnt really bad by Nintendo. So bad, in fact, that it had a, a finished Wii U yep. game that it never released. It didn't make financial sense to actually produce it to make any money back. Wow. Yeah. Also, Ubisoft and EA came out this week saying that they think the next generation of consoles will be the last. That gaming will be moving to streaming services after that, which basically backs up what Pactor said like a year ago and got mm -hmm. vilified by everybody for you can still like search Pactor on YouTube and find all these little hack people who went after Pactor for saying that and he was right now well, everyone think he's right I don't want that at all yeah like, I don't think the at least in America the the internet the infrastructure is not there for that it's always gonna have that weird lag to it well I think what they're and saying is play that. that'll be 10 years from now yeah well you after this because this this cycle's done which will mm -hmm. probably be three years from now then you tack on another five to seven after that then, I mean, at that point... Yeah, but the speed of light's not going to get any faster, and it's yeah. always going to have that little <laughs> bit of mush to it that yeah. like isn't the same as running it on local hardware, and I don't want that. I'd agree with you. If yeah. that happens, you, you're pushing me directly into being PC only. Yeah. Well, well that, that might be the case. That could make PC yeah. gaming absolutely explode. Which, again, based upon financial reports this week, PC game, not PC gaming, but PC sales are really starting to flatline because mm -hmm. you don't have the casual folks who just used to buy a PC to like use Facebook mm -hmm. or check email. Like everyone's doing that on their phones now. And You're, I know I know a lot of people that have you know just switched to tablets and like they don't even feel they need a desktop PC anymore. I mean, why would you need a des desktop PC unless you're working on it or playing games on it? That's about it. There's really no reason. That's why I have one. Yeah. I, I mean, that's why I have I play games on it, and then sometimes I do video editing on it. Like, that's that's it. Oh, I put my PC through the ringer. And I you don't even need... need <laughs> that poor thing begs for mercy every day. You don't even need a, a desktop to do the video editing anyway. You can do that no. on laptops, so... Yeah, I, I would it's not It's not as that. good, yeah. but I guess... Like, <laughs> I would you know. not do that, but... Uh, but, yeah, times are... The sands are a shifting, Matt. It's not going to be boring. In a lot of ways. Yeah, so it's pretty exciting to... Even if we don't like the future, it's kind of exciting to think about it a little bit anyway. Uh, last thing, a couple more things. Pokemon Sun and Moon unveiled this week. Did you check out the debut trailer, Matt? Uh, I did not. 
Well, you can watch I, it right now. I do. Uh, <laughs> I do like the owl creature, though. Yeah, That's he's my favorite. Yeah, I'm a it's everyone's favorite. I'm a Temple alum, the Temple Owls, so he is mm. certainly going to be my starter Pokemon. It seems to be everyone's starter Pokemon. Like I, I think we know which version is gonna, which which starter Pokemon is gonna be the star here. The owl's too cute. How could you it's not adorable. like the owl? <laughs> I'm even a cat person, but I gotta go with the owl. Yeah. Like, look at that. <laughs> there he is, Rowlet. It's got a little leaf bow tie. Like, come on. <laughs> that is pretty adorable. Uh, otherwise, the game looks exactly like yeah, all Pokemon. The other games. We what do you up, want? It's Pokemon. But, yeah, so for our poll of the day today, it was basically about Pokemon. You know, whether you're okay with it not changing. And, you know, by the way, get involved with the polls of the day. Great conversation have been going on in those if you haven't been checking them out so far. Um, it looks exactly the same as the last Pokemon game, which looked exactly the same as the one before that. Which I didn't play, so I'm yeah. kind of fine with it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been out of the Pokemon game for a while. I mean, I, the last one you're, I played... Now you're one and almost hit, up, hitting close to a thousand Pokemon at this point, and I just, I can't. The last can't one that. I played to completion was Black and White. I, I think the last one I played to completion was, um, Soul Silver. Yeah. Around uh, the so same era. Yeah. And that was a re obviously a remake of the second yeah. one, so... Now I would play a console version of Pokemon if they would put out a, a like a big budget console yeah, version of Pokemon. You're, now you're talking crazy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like yeah. you'd want the system on it; it's on to sell or something. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. But uh, yeah, so anyway, there's a poll up on the site right now. Poll of the day about Pokemon. Mm-hmm. If you have a particular I, passion, I for have it. been playing a Game Freak game this week though. Oh, par- pocket card pocket jockey. card jockey. Yeah, that might be the sleeper hit of the year, <laughs> or at least the first half of the year. I I enjoy it. It's adorable. Like it's a fun little fun little like weird game, and like the game itself constantly talks about how stupid it is. Yeah, like, it's been it's, getting really good reviews. Yeah, yeah. I it's it's like, it's that kind of weird quirkiness that I wish we saw more from Nintendo on. Yeah, that is like it's like yeah, you don't have to you don't have to like have all these weird gimmicks and crazy things. Like you just have to like have some interesting ideas and the solid gameplay. And the other thing that I noticed that I was shocked by is it it has no 3D. Oh really? If you turn the 3D on, there's no 3D. It has it, it literally doesn't have any. I'm like, oh, I wonder what, what the horse race looks like in 3D, and it's nothing. I'm eh, like, probably for the best. Probably. I mean, I probably I'm not complaining necessarily, <laughs> but I'm just like, it shocks me that Nintendo would have reached a and point that's where a they, Nintendo they would not require, at least in their own games, they usually would require you to support the basic functions they sell their hardware on, and all of a sudden you don't have to have 3D in a 3DS game. Well, that's I think that just shows. That even Nintendo at this point is tossed <laughs> in the towel on the 3D of the 3DS. So, uh, one last thing we want to talk about. You may be wondering, Doom. Actually, Doom will be coming out on the East Coast of the United States in about two hours. Yeah. A couple hours. Um, but don't you dare leave. Yeah. <laughs> there are no reviews for Doom out yet. Yeah. And there are not going to be any reviews for Doom out. I haven't even seen, even seen any impressions. Because the codes for Doom just went out today. Oh. And uh, Bethesda said that, you know, the usual excuse when they don't send out code early, which is, oh, it's very, the network portion of the game is very important, and we don't feel like you could experience the game the way it's meant to be experienced if you don't have the, well, what they, what they fail to mention or, or think that we're too stupid to remember is that they just did a multiplayer beta. <laughs> like, total, total crap on this one mm-hmm. like there's really no even debating it like they're totally holding this game back from critics for fear they're not confident in the product well to me that's just a, like you know if i was just a right run-of-the-mill consumer i'd just be like well cancel the pre-order wait to see what people say i think sadly that's 
probably not going to happen. I think it will probably save them some cash if the game does, in fact, yeah. end up not being good. I mean, I enjoyed the multiplayer beta. It didn't set the world on fire for me, but I enjoyed it. No one's really seen the campaign, by no. the way. Like, today, some 40-minute uh, videos went up. And before that, really, the only campaign footage was footage that was shot off a screen at an event. Mm -hmm. Like, they have in trailers. Like, their campaign trailers where they cut it all right. up and you can't really tell. Uh, they've really hid the campaign on this game. Which no, is... I mean, I, Doom is not a blind buy to me. Like, I, you know, I know, right. I know it's like an iconic franchise, be... but it's like this is so far removed from like the people who made Doom, Doom. Yeah. That like this is absolutely wait and see. If if I'm if I'm you know, gonna have to if I'm paying for it, it's a wait and see for sure. Also, an unfortunate week for it to come out. There's, a, there's another big game that was released this week. Oh, that, yeah. That might steal a little bit of its thunder. A little so, bit. Yeah. A so. So yeah, I think that's uh, that's a wrap. Oh, other than I mentioned, you know, EA and Ubisoft both saying that they think consoles are going away. Yep. When those two mention it. Yeah, but when those two, they're, I mean, they're driving to yeah. a lot of degrees. Like, you can't support a console without those guys supporting that console. Yeah. You know, because no first party, even Sony, can't produce enough games to make up for the, the software volume you'd lose by not having EA and, and Ubisoft on your system. Yep, for sure. So, and I wonder, you know, if they don't think consoles are going to be, does that mean like they're they're looking forward to moving into their own sort of self-publishing streaming service? Is that their plan? Well, EA, EA Origin there. becomes that. You know, you was it you you club? Is that what it yeah. is on Ubisoft now? Yeah. Like those eventually just become ha the only way you can buy EA. Oh, Ubisoft you know, games. the publishers want that. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah. No I mean, longer they cut have out the, the middleman. Cut out the middleman. You don't have to pay, you know, distribution or, or you know manufacturing costs. You don't have to give a cut of your your profits to to your revenue to Valve. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. I was leaving. EA's already done that, obviously. But yeah, I was leaving uh, my place today to come over to uh, do the show, and I looked at my Wii U sitting in my entertainment center. Hmm. And one, I realized that I may never play it again, mm. like ever, like really, like. Maybe if I play Tokyo Mirage, like they're really maybe yeah. Paper Mario. I have Tokyo Mirage pre-ordered, so I'll, I'll I'll turn it on at least one more time. Yeah, I mean, I looked at it, and I was like, that's kind of sad. Like that thing may never be turned on again. I mean, may it probably will be, but then I thought about the other You'll part. You have to turn of it. it on to eject the disc that's in it before you put it in storage. Right, right. So. Yeah. And then I thought about the fact that if there really is just one more generation of consoles, like I will only ever have one more piece of Nintendo hardware, like. That's crazy to think about. Well, until they sell you the Nintendo phone. Right. N knowing Nintendo, it won't just do it like everybody else, where you stream it through a PC or your TV right. or whatever. They will make you buy some yeah, little you'll, you'll gadget. You'll have to buy like some thing shaped like Mario's head. Right. <laughs> like exactly. it'll, run, it'll run on, like I don't know, saliva or something. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> Kiss Mario on the nose to turn it on. Yeah, and, yeah. Or lick it. Yeah. And then you become a, an internet celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> It's worked before. It's, it's as easy as that, folks. <laughs> and with that, let's get to the big six. All right, are you mm. ready, Matt? You ready to talk about what probably will undoubtedly be the biggest video game of 2016? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Where do we start with this one? Um, story. I guess so, since that's mainly well, maybe what we should, it is so for, far. First, we should uh, mention how much we've played it. So, uh, yeah. How, how, how far along are you? I'm at the be very beginning of Chapter 6. Okay. So there's 22 chapters and a prologue. Mm -hmm. So you're about a third of the way through. Yeah. I've, 
I feel like I'm where the game is actually finally starting. Yeah. There's been a lot of tutorial action yeah. up to now. Um, I finished the game. Um, I played it again a little bit. You open up another difficulty setting once you mm. beat it called Crushing. Yeah, I remember and, Crushing. And I did fiddle around with that a little bit. And I mean? And I accentuate a little bit because <laughs> it was about as fun as jabbing needles into my eyeballs. Um and yeah, I, play I mean, I think Naughty Dog's even admitted that crushing is basically there for the crazy people. Yeah, I mean, and it is. It's I, not I, like the it's not like grounded mode in Last of Us where it's like arguably like the way you should play the game. Yeah, it's like this. It's like no, this game moves. This is just unfair. Yeah, for the people who really want to. You'd have to get lucky, I think, to probably complete the game all the way without killing yourself. Or you have to just know. I mean, you know, I've watched some live streams of people play the the other games on crushing, and it's like. These people just know every single nuance of the, right. the way the game works. It's yeah, just, they know all the you know. enemy patterns and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So, so I finished it. I'm the game of Al is pretty much done. I'm just trying to cap on a couple more hours of multiplayer um, before I uh, finish it off and publish it to Sifted. Um, but you're gonna get full-on impressions right here on Game Face mm-hmm. right now. So. Matt, what is your overriding impression of the game, having played a third of it so far? Uh, my overall impression of the game is that it's a lot more like Last of Us than I'd prefer. Yeah. In terms of just sort of the tone and structure. Uh, it is technically, presentationally, probably the most impressive thing I've ever seen. Agreed. It is. <laughs> Agreed. And it's funny how it's like... It's not, it's like, you know, a rock face collapses or like a thing, a room explodes. I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. But like Elena leans on a cushion on the couch. I'm like, that's the best cushion deformation I've ever seen <laughs> in a video. That's insane. Like, that's, you know, it's all the weird little things. Oh, you're I'm, absolutely right. Like, the like, game is just filled or in with the thing where he's all in, he, like, over the place. He like, is in a tuxedo and like he, he like bends up and like the... The back of the tuxedo jacket creases properly as he. I'm just like, it's crazy. Oh, it is insane. They dude. must have had people chained to desks for 90 hours a week doing this game. Well, they I mean, did. I, for, yeah. <laughs> That's not even a joke. No, it's, not, it's really pretty much just what happens. And, and it's, I mean, it's just amazing. It is absolutely mind blowing. This look, this isn't hyperbole. This is the best looking video game in the history of video games. Yeah, it, I can't, I can't argue with that. I mean, there's some games that have had, you know, one particular kind of effect that worked maybe a little better, but as far as total package plus animation plus texture plus art, art plus. Motion capturing plus performance capture. I mean, it's just it's Look, I know unparalleled. there are PC gamers who are going to try to go after me for this, and y- you have no no like no. to stand on. There is I have, no PC game that can no. touch this game. I have not seen anything on my dual Titan X rig that touches this. You may be able to say. I mean, yeah, resolution, game, resolution. Right. What the you know, four K, fourteen forty, whatever. I, no, like this is. In terms of like watching, what you look at yeah. while you play the video game, there is no game in the history of video games that looks better than this game. There are so many details. Mm-hmm. You just what you really Even realize, like, the, like like when he's like you know hand over handing across like a, a metal bar and the bar sags under yeah. his weight in the middle. I mean, it's, it's oh, insane. and the hand is perfectly yeah. wrapped around the bar, and then you look at the hand and you can see the veins in the mm-hmm. hand, like and little is, things were like. Where like there's a point early on where a guy uh, has glasses on his shirt and he takes the glasses off and flicks them open and puts them on and it's just like you're just showing off now. Yeah. Like because the 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 it's not like that kind of video game thing where you see the hand sort of 
magnetically attached to the glasses and like put them on the, and then like there's that quick like one frame cut where the the glass you know they replaced the the head with no glasses with the head model with glasses yeah it's like no it's just he puts the fucking glasses on his head it's crazy what you realize playing this game and even being in this industry and business all this time this game made me see it more than any other how many corners other developers cut yeah <laughs> it's like this game is just in a whole other class. Like it makes me like really reconsider all my comments about how the systems are underpowered. Because yeah. if you can pull this out of it, well, I will say one thing: my PlayStation Four sounds like it's about to rocket out of my oh, entertainment center and yeah. shoot through the sliding glass door into <laughs> outer space. Like it is. You're gonna need a Neo. Oh to, my uh, gosh! To run it this, is... you know, I almost want headphones at this point because I can hear the PlayStation Four over my sound system. It is pushing that system basically. Mm -hmm. it, it appears. <laughs> To be pushing it to the limit. I yeah. mean, certainly the fans. To I'm the sure, limit. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Last of Us Two will blow us away and yeah. be even better than this. But man, like you can just hear that thing crying while it's mm -hmm. running this game. Like, but I don't care. I don't either. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, but you're right. It is a technological marvel. Like, it, I don't know if like there are just awards for like technology every year. I'm sure there is. Yeah. There's stuff. Where like, awards and stuff. Let's and just like throw, that. like, not even just, like, game-related technology, just technology, period. Yeah, like, well, I, well, I think, are this, there awards, I think are this thing's like, winning a BAFTA, whether you like it or not. I mean, are there, like, Ted, is there, like, a TED award where it's just, like, who makes the most out of whatever technology they have at their disposal? Because if mm -hmm. there is, Uncharted 4 is winning it. it. I mean, it just, you know, you think you see it all, and then you go to another chapter, and something else, you see something else, or something else happens that mm -hmm. just blows your mind. And it's like, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, old Uncharted games, they're not drawing much geometry. Fair enough. The old Uncharted games didn't draw a ton of... This game, it is... I have taken more screenshots. I have taken hmm. probably 50 screenshots of this game. And I only take screenshots of stuff where, like, literally my jaw just drops. And it's just one after another. Like, mm. you come out of a cave and you just see this vista that just goes on for, like, 20 miles. And it's like, there's no LOD, like, pullback. It's like everything just looks crystal clear as far as mm. your eye can see. It is just, it really, I mean... Was, I, don't, I don't remember who said it. I saw it on Twitter, I think. Maybe it was, maybe it was Klepek, but somebody was like... The game's about eight hours if you play through it, but it's about 70 hours if you have photo mode engaged. Yeah. Because you're just constantly taking Well, I've just pictures. been taking screenshots with just the built-in, like, screenshot, oh, screenshot tool thing, on the yeah. PlayStation 4. I haven't been using the photo mode, but, man, alive. It, I yeah. mean, just... And then, you know, at first I thought, because in the cutscenes, like, the characters look amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Like, their eyes are... Just the way that they jut around and, like, when someone, like, the, they convey so much emotion. And at first, I thought they were pre-rendered. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, these character models look too good. Like, these were pre-rendered things are just playing, like, essentially a video that it's being tricked. No, no. Like, <laughs> I got this crazy gun, my favorite gun, called the Copperhead. And in the next cutscene, there's the Copperhead on his back. Like... It's crazy. Like, I have never seen real-time facial animation in a video game sell mm -hmm. like this does. Like, the only thing I would say is, like, sometimes the glint in the eyes looks a little funky. But as long as the lighting is in a good place for the for the models and everything, I mean, it is, like, photorealistic. Yeah. It is crazy. The facial crazy. capture is crazy. It's, it it's, really is crazy, man. Like, they're, they're on a, a whole other level. I mean, they're on another level to some On movies. so many ways, like... 
I mean, mo there's movies that could learn some things from these guys. Yeah, I mean, I was just blown away. Look, we had seen a ton of it and seen mm -hmm. the demos from E3 and the trailers, but man, until you see that sucker on your HDTV, you, you just can't prepare for it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, just over and over, me shaking my head, being like, what, did that mm -hmm. really just happen? Like, is that, do they really take the time to put that in the game? Like, it's so funny how we used to talk about the old Uncharted games, how it was like mind-blowing that he'd walk by something and like rest his hand mm -hmm. on it or put his hand up against the wall, steady himself as he walked by it. Like those context-sensitive animations, that is like the bottom yeah. of this game. Like that is like... He still does have a weird obsession with touching everything. Yeah, I mean, he but, still does that, but yeah. that is like... But not handrails. He won't no, touch you're right, handrails. No, you're right, you're right, yeah. But that is like the baseline detail in this game. Yeah. Like... Like, you can read the titles on the spines of every book in the game. Yeah. If, if oh, there's yeah. writing on it, you can read what... He has a lot of copies of, uh, of one, one particular book, I noticed, in, yeah, in yeah. his apartment or in his house. But it's in the lighting's incredible. You know, it, it, like it, it, it's, it's... The particles. I mean, evocative. just everything, man. Like, when you open a door and the dust fly. I mean, mm -hmm. it is... Man. And the sound. I mean, the sound design sells it all yeah. on top of that. And I mean, look, it is pushing a lot of polys, too. Like, this scene, like, the amount of objects in, and the people that, you know, I walked around trying to find duplicate people in this, this level that we're looking at right now. I could not find a duplicate person. And mm -hmm. this, this is actually kind of another part of it where it's more sparse, but there's another part where literally there are, like, hundreds of people. And I walked around, I could not find a single duplicate person. Now, what, what they do do is they randomize clothes. So, like, mm. you'll see, like, the same hat on another person, but you'll never see the same person with the same hat, shirt, pants, whatever. Like, it's... It's like a dream. It really mm. is like a dream. Um, and, look, before we move on to kind of talk about other elements of the game, one thing I would say is that this game is probably worth buying just for the graphics alone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if... I, would, I never thought I would ever say that about a game, like in my entire life. And honestly, this game is worth 60 bucks just to go on the <laughs> tour. Like, just to see mm -hmm. what is possible with video games when you have somebody who's really skilled and really dedicated and has a mountain of money to make mm -hmm. it happen. <laughs> I mean, it, it's that impressive visually. And it's just one thing after another after another. I just... I was just blown away, and it gets better. That's the other thing mm -hmm. I love about this game. Old school games used to be like that. Like, the first levels would be very simple, and as the game kind of wore on, they got better and better until, like, the last level was, like, the best level that you play. This game is like that. It has that old school aesthetic. It's like the farther you go, the more jaw-dropping the vistas, the more insane the set-piece moments. It's, yeah. Mm -hmm. But. I can see that early on already. Yeah. Like, because I had to stop at, at chapter six where they end up in a new area. It's the first area you really see that's like big and right. open. And I'm like, whoa! But I gotta go to sleep. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I couldn't move along. Yeah. But. And mm -hmm. there's always a but. There's always a but. And this game also has butts. Um, Very well modeled butts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about the literal butts. Mm -hmm. I'm saying the visuals are amazing, but. Mm -hmm. Everything else, in my opinion, doesn't quite hold up to it. Mm. The story is good. It's not amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I do feel like it's tough. I don't want to spoil anything, so I want to choose my words very carefully. I guess the best way I could put it is I feel like I was duped a little bit. Mm. 
at least my expectations for what the story was going to be and what it ultimately was were two entirely different things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's fine. Right. Um, in this case, I don't think it's fine. It still has a good story, and it's really just about the history of Drake. Right. It's, it goes way back to when he was a kid, living with his brother in a Catholic or- orphanage, um, and then just starts from there. And then it, it flashes back to them as kids mm-hmm. here and there throughout the game as well. Um, but it's really just about Drake coming to grips with who he is and what he's been doing his whole life. But I felt like they kind of did all that in, like, Uncharted 3. Yeah, I already... I mean, I'm very early. I'm still, you know, maybe a third of the way at this point. But already I feel like it's review, especially from Uncharted 3. Yeah. Um, and my, my main problem so far, uh, and I hate to say it because I'm a Troy Baker fanboy. Yeah. Uh, and I also know him in real life, and I, I, I love him. He's a fantastic... But his character, he plays Sam, uh, uh, Nate's older brother. And um, Sam, above, above all things at this point, reminds me of Poochie from The Simpsons, <laughs> where they inserted the useless dog, like the dog nobody cared about yeah. in Itchy and Scratchy. And like Homer's like, it's like, when Poochie's not on screen, everyone should be, all the other characters should be saying, where's Poochie? And like, that's yeah. basically where I am with Sam at this point, where like, all of a sudden he comes in and I'm supposed to care that he's like this brother that was never mentioned before. And I'm like, nothing about the motivation, like the motivation for what they have to do to help Sam is great. Yeah. But I don't see why that couldn't have been like Chloe or Sully or another character that I already knew and cared about. I'll say this much. It, it, they do a better job of developing him as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. Like by the end of the game, I actually did care about him. But I would agree at the beginning, I was like, what's the point of this guy? Mm-hmm. Also, it just seems a little He just odd. feels like he's mar- he takes up so much of the first part of the game yeah. that I'm like, I felt like they were marginalizing the characters in this series that I actually came to see. Yeah. You know? And there's a little bit of, you know, it pays... Elena doesn't play a big part no, in the No, Elena game. is barely in it. And I don't like that because I like her character a lot. And I like the interplay... I always like the interplay between Nate and Sully and Elena. Yeah. And there's basically none of that here. Yeah. And, like, the scene with Elena... It does there's get, an, it does there's get an early better. scene with Elena, and it's great. But yeah. I think a lot of that is... I sit there and I wonder how much of that scene was in the script and how much of that scene was because the two actors have worked together for like almost 10 years and they just know how to make that scene work. Well, eventually a big part of the story becomes Drake and Elena's relationship right. as well. I mean, you um, see that warming up. Yeah, but... and it does get better, I'll say mm-hmm. that much, for both her and for his brother. Yeah, I just don't feel like... I don't feel like the fourth game in a series needs three hours of tutorials. Yeah. And I know you can turn the tutorials off, but that's not the same. that doesn't help me because the this levels are clearly... This game doesn't need any tutorials. No, we'll the, levels are des- the levels are clearly designed to walk you through all the basic functionality of Uncharted. And I'm like, I know how to drop off a ledge, yeah. guys. Like, Let's talk about You don't about need to base but... a whole section of the level around how I jump from one thing to another anymore. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about gameplay in a second. Let's finish up kind of the story a mm-hmm. bit. So... My biggest gripe with this story is that there are huge plot holes. Like, you've already come to one. Like, how did he seriously not know that his brother was alive mm-hmm. the whole time? Like... You think someone would have... He's Drake! Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, all of a sudden he became an idiot? Like, <laughs> that... and it. So later on, you're trying to... Find, and again, it's very. I have to dance around this a little bit. So later on, you're trying to find something. And... You're going the usual Drake way of trying to find it, going through caves and jungles and, you know, putting mm-hmm. your life in peril when really all you had to do is use a helicopter or a boat. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, 
it kind of nullifies like the whole story and the whole game for that matter like it's not like what they're trying to find is like hidden away inside some mountain or something like that or there are parts of the game that are like that but like the big goal of the game essentially was sitting out in the open all this time and not only are they taking a convoluted way to get there like there's these other people who are trying to get it who have billions of dollars to invest in it and never bothered to like fly a plane or a helicopter over the area that they're searching like it's kind of a deal breaker to be honest with you it just yeah, kind of it's, like it's, once you realize when your story can be broken by google earth yeah i mean yeah i mean that's really what it comes down to and you know this is drake like this is like mm. the world's greatest adventurer like archaeologist like i mean i'm too early to know exactly what the but it's like it also feels like what they're after in this is way smaller then what that's has, not true not yet no because I, I don't see anything yet because like you know, you're looking at like the lost city of shangri-la and you're looking at like the you know the, the pillars of iram and all that yeah. stuff. it's like legendary stuff and like yeah. so far i feel like i'm doing they're doing the temple of doom thing where it's like yeah. well he we found the, the you know the lost ark of the covenant in the first movie and the third movie he finds the holy grail in the second movie he finds a bunch of glowy stones right yeah. like, <laughs> like really now what they're going after isn't as legendary or well known, but that's guess what, what's going to happen. It's like the law of diminishing returns. Right, I mean, it's, made it's, the, fourth game. the MacGuffin's got to be there and get the you payoff moving. is bigger. I okay. guess is is what I'm trying to say. So story's good. I mean, for video game stories, the story's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, most video game right. stories have huge plot holes, and the writing is good. The voice acting's so, incredible. Just, so far, it's not really what I wanted out of the farewell Uncharted game. Yeah, you know? I think a lot of people might agree with that. Uh, let's move on to talk about playing the game. Now, you kind of already mentioned that you didn't like the hand-holding so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly didn't even really notice that. What I noticed is that like the game gives you everything at the beginning of the game, and then you never get anything else after mm-hmm. that. Like, there's a couple little tools that you get that don't really change much. It's sort of uncharted, though. Once you get the rope, that's pretty much it. And the ro- I have a problem with the rope, too. So... As much as I enjoy it. This kind of ties back to my overall impressions of playing this game, which is that it feels like an old game. Mm -hmm. It feels like the very best game made last generation, which was what Uncharted really was, or at least one of the better games Mm -hmm. made last generation. Because it's like, maybe we're just spoiled now of actually like having progression in games, like where you start as... That's RPG elements, basically, mm-hmm. where you start as something and then morph into something more powerful and mm-hmm. greater. It seems like the interactive equivalent of like making sure a character is different at the end of a narrative than they were when they started. And like there's, you know, in a game, I think they've some some games have developed this sort of language that sort of like your character develops in a gameplay sense alongside the way they develop in the narrative sense, and by the end of the game you have a very... It, it feels very satisfying to have gone through that narrative journey with that character, but also to have gone through that gameplay journey with that character. Yeah, and that's what you're not getting here. Mm-hmm. Like, you you do get the the story side of it, where right. the character evolves. Which we, you know, you know that's going to happen in But in, it's also in, evolving in Naughty Dog, but the like, player, too, like, mm-hmm. as your skills. Like, you know, a lot of games like that, like, you get better as the player as the game goes right. on. I never felt like I got any better at this game. Like, in fact, even, like... In the last like act of the game, I was still hitting the wrong button to reload my gun yeah, and to they take changed cover. That, didn't they? Well, I don't think they did. I think that's the, I don't remember. Don't quote me on this, but I think that that's the way Uncharted's always been. I, I, it's just that it every triangle. other game uses square to reload no, the gun. Well, no, because it's triangle to reload in this, right? Right. And I, 
my brain is telling me it was a shoulder button before. I don't remember. To be perfectly honest, I don't remember. All I, I, know, I played the Uncharted like remaster collection. I still can't quite. But I, I swear it was a shoulder button to reload in Uncharted. All I remember, all I know is that every other game R one to reload. Short driver says, yeah. All I remember is every other game that I've played that you shoot guns in the last like ten years. Square has been the reload button, hmm. and so literally like you're in the taking cover. Like normally that's the X button on the PlayStation controller. I think it's like circle and it's in circle this... and uncharted. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just why? Like why? Well, that, the circle has, that's always been right. How but it is. I, but it's like at a certain point, it's like you're just kind of being pompous by like having your own control scheme. It's like. I just thought that was silly. The controls themselves work okay. I never really got good at shooting. Like, there's no reticle on screen until you go into the over-the-shoulder view to shoot. Mm-hmm. So you can't, like, aim or get your shots lined up before you pop out of cover. That I never got a handle on my brain calculating where the center of the screen was. So as soon as I went into cover, I was on the target I was trying to shoot. Even at the last sequence of the game, I still could mm-hmm. not pop out of cover and have my reticle be where I wanted it to be. I'm not, I'm not having too much trouble with that, but I am having a lot more trouble getting re- reliable headshots than I did in the other Uncharted's, the, at least the PS4 remasters, because I just played through those this year. I don't even remember. Did and they I, have reticles in them? Yeah. Before you... I don't think so. But I think, for whatever reason, I think where your reticle appears when you pop out of cover in the in the in like two and three is a little more logical than where it pops up in this game because i've noticed the same thing where like the reticle is not where i think it's going to be when i pop out and i it's see not, the, i see the defense force in the chat already and it's like it's not i a, see you guys it, in there it's not a crazy problem and, you know I, I certainly haven't had a difficulty like getting through the the shootouts or anything yeah. they're fun well yeah I, I mean and i do it's think it's not a hard game no but i do think it until you pick pick crushing yeah uh, i mean i do think it the controls at least the gunplay controls are smoother for me than like they feel a little weightier and a little smoother than they did in uncharted 3 at least um, i still feel like they feel floaty and I I get I think there's a little float to him, but I think there's less float than there was before. It feel it feels good to me. Yeah. Uh, more than the others did. I feel I feel like it was a, the the actual gunplay and aiming and all that feels like it has uh, progressed uh, at least a little bit. I think it might be ones. a little better. I still think it's not up to scratch with the Maybe better not. games. To be honest with you, um, I do like the added ability of like death from above, where you can jump off a cliff mm-hmm. and come down and like take out enemies instantly. The addition of stealth, I I like it because it does give you a little flexibility in how you can take up take on each scenario. You don't just have to like kill everyone. And there was stealth in prior games, but yeah. here it's like more of a pre- prevalent element. Yeah, there's an actual, like, stealth, like, meter thing that lets you know when someone sees you and stuff. Yeah, and... the enemies have, like, meters above their heads mm. and, like, a couple different alert levels so you know if you have time to, like, run away. And there's, like, you know, there's... The levels are designed around it now. So you have patches of, like, high grass, and you can kind of see how mm. Naughty Dog has designed the level. So if you want to completely stealth the level, you probably can. I never managed to pull it <laughs> off. Like, eventually, mm. I always got caught, at least by, like, one guy. That's But that's, like... My my main uh, gripe with it, gameplay-wise, is that there's a couple of things in this game that have mostly been added for this game. You know, they're new elements, which, like the short grass or the grappling hook, and they are so gamey that they pull me out of 
the world. Like it's like yeah. it's like this game looks so good presentation. It's so believable. It's so realistic looking down to the pebble on the ground. And then he's got like his magic grappling hook that like retracts into his belt when he's yeah. done. Or like he crouches down to completely visible in short gra- grass where you're like. I'm wearing a white shirt, I'm in grass, like, and the grass is moving whenever I look around, and some guy ten feet from me can't just literally see me there. It's weird. Well, it, it also it's... has the Last of Us thing where the enemies don't see your uh, sidekick. I mean, on one hand, I'm glad they I do mean, that. I mean, that's the worst, that, well, really. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you I'm have, glad like, they... Elena's, like, right out in the middle of an open field, and, like, they're, like... It's super weird that they didn't, like, concentrate on fixing that Because that's Last the of biggest Us. complaint from yeah. The Last of Us. And, like... But it is interesting to note that I don't think The Last of Us has the lack of progression issue because yeah, you're, you're constantly right. inventing new weapons you're and upgrading right. your weapons. You're absolutely right. That you really, you know, Joel feels much more powerful at the end of that game than he does when he starts. Yep. And I'm, I'm a little surprised that that's, there's not some element of that in this game. That's why I said it feels old, because every game now has at least some element. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's light, like in Quantum Break, but it still has yeah. it. Like, I don't necessarily expect that from Uncharted. I don't think, I'm, it's, I don't think it's really going to bother me that it's not there. But it's, it's one of those things I thought like maybe we might get. Especially when they're doing things like adding like dialogue choices and stuff. It's but just... see, I'm, I'm the guy who does, I don't look at any game and say, I expect this. Like, I just... Pick up the game and play it. Either I enjoy it or I don't. Either I enjoy the elements that are in it or I don't. I don't say, oh, well, this has never been here before, so don't be mad, Shane, that it's not there. Like The bottom line is I don't like that it's not there. I don't care whether it was in a prior game or not. The fact of the matter is I'm evaluating this game for the game that's there. I'm not thinking about, like, I shouldn't have expected this to be. Like The bottom line is I'm so used to playing games that have actual progression in them that when I play another game... Forget the name of the game or who made it or what platform it's for. When I play another game that doesn't have it, it feels like something is missing. And that's how I feel about Uncharted 4. There's a lot of stuff that other games have that I really enjoy that could have very easily been a part of this game that that aren't there. And it in all honesty, like and you know, I saw like a lot of uh, the people who a lot of people who have reviewed the game saying, Oh, you know, I was bored by the game. And then they'd say, but, you know, I did sit down and play it, like, all in a run. And uh, and I could understand where if you try to plow through this game like that, parts of it would start to seem monotonous mm-hmm. and repetitive and samey. It's saved by the graphics a lot of times. But I didn't play this game that way. Like, I got it, like, last week. I played it for about, a, I don't know, probably eight hours or something like that. And then I was completely indisposed over the whole weekend, and it just sat there for two days. And then I came back on Monday and started playing it again. So I actually did break up like my play sessions. I didn't just power through it in like a day or two. And just as a note, you can finish this game in about 12 to 15 hours. So you could conceivably, if you really were dedicated, beat it in like a weekend or in a couple mm-hmm. days. But that's not how I played it. Like I actually did break it up and like I would work during the day, play a few hours at night. Like I never sat down and marathoned it for like nine or 10 hours straight or anything like that. And I still found it to be a little boring at times because The platforming is like, even Naughty Dog knows that the platforming is completely irrelevant because you get the story while you're platforming. Like, Hmm. the characters talk to each other. And it's done, the game has done it since, I think, 2. I think was the Mm -hmm. first time we really started doing that. In this game, like, you get a lot of the best story notes while you're platforming. Like, that's where you get a lot of, like, the insider information, a lot of background, a lot of lore. Um, and there's lore in this too, because there's stuff that you pick up and you can read and mm. find documents scattered everywhere, and I like that. But all the platforming in this game, it's so easy and so automatic that it's just like, why is it even there? Like, 
to tell a story as a vehicle for the story. I don't know. I feel like in a lot of ways, this game has been lapped by a lot of other games that won't get anywhere near the prestige that this one gets because of the way it looks. I mean, and like I said, it's worth buying just to look at it. Like, it's worth the $60, but I think people are... When, they, when they're, like, ragging on journalists who are saying that they got bored by it, they're just saying, oh, because you played it, like, 12 hours straight. That's not really why the game is boring at times, because it is very samey, and, like, the set pieces in the game are amazing. There's one part where an entire house, like, literally crumbles around you, like, <laughs> around you. And those set piece moments are great, but I also felt like a lot of the set piece stuff was kind of subdued in this game. Like, this, what we're seeing right now, this demo is honestly probably in the top three moments in the entire game. And it's great, but I feel like it definitely took a step back. Maybe it was a conscious decision by Naughty Dog mm -hmm. to dial it back a little bit. I don't know. Um, but I do feel like there aren't as many like moments where you're like... like I'm more blown away by the technical prowess of this game than like the, oh my god, the train is like tumbling over itself and like and the motorcycle slid under the train while it... Like, there's not as much of that in this game. And some people may like that, some people may not. But I think that's what has contributed a little bit to the monotony of playing the game and some people saying that they were bored while they were playing it. And the fact that the platforming and isn't great. Mm. It's not even that it isn't great, it's fine. But it's just automatic. Like, there's no risk to it. Other than, like, when you try to fall and, like, the input lag and you try to, like, catch a ledge and the input lag like keeps you from catching the ledge and you fall or whatever so looking at this game amazing and again worth the money in my opinion just to experience it and see it and see what your playstation 4 is capable of but i honestly didn't have a ton of fun playing this game like i don't know there's moments that were great and there's plenty of moments of all but like i honestly did not think the shooting was very good i thought it felt very floaty like i said i never got a handle on the aiming um, a lot of the traversal, because so much of it is automatic, like when you're, like when the heat is on and you're trying to take cover, like sometimes they'll take cover on the wrong side of cover and you just get killed, like they've solved a lot of the technical things with games to make the, the game visually mind-blowing, but I feel like they didn't dedicate as much time to making the game fun to play. I guess this is a good way for me to kind of sum it up. Mm. Um, the vehicle controls, I've seen some people complain about those, but I honestly thought that the Jeep controls, when you're trying, like when you're mudding, are freaking amazing. Like, I don't know if you've ever gone mudding in a 4x4 before. Mm. Not so much. I have. Growing up in rural Pennsylvania, yeah, I, I mudding is a part of, of life growing up. And I will tell you that it is dead on. I mean, they freaking nail it. Like, what it's like to be in a 4x4 in mud, trying to find that one rock to catch a grip, like one of your tires on. So you Clearly can... research was done. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> a lot of mudding over at Naughty Dog. Yeah, yeah. But I thought the Jeep controls were amazing. Like, the physics in the game are incredible. Like, there's a lot of, like block pushing puzzles in the game and like in a lot of games if you're like pushing like a, a, a square or a block to solve a puzzle like it doesn't react to like the slope or whatever like in this game like if you're pushing it and it's on a slope you have to fight the gravity and hold the stick against the direction of the hill to keep like the, the thing you're pushing to like go straight just little stuff like that again just amazing but when you get when it comes down to it what you're doing 80% of the time playing the game is platforming and shooting. And I feel like 
both of those elements came up short. Neither's terrible, but when you're talking about like it's a 9.4 on Metacritic right now, like to me, those are things that should be not only just really good, but transcendent to mm. get that, that type of a score. And, you know, what was okay back in 2009 through, you know, whenever Uncharted 3 came out is not okay now. And I feel like Naughty Dog, when they built this game, they were like, that's what we did then. People liked it. We're doing it again now. And it just, and like I said, in a lot of ways, it feels like the best older game you've ever played. Well, maybe that's why this is the last one. It could be. Maybe they just don't want to evolve it beyond that. They think that's what the Uncharted DNA is. And they're like, well, there's not really anywhere else to go. Yeah. So we're, we're just going to blow the doors off this one and make it the most amazing thing you've ever seen visually and technologically. And, and it then, is. And that'll be that. Yeah. yeah. I, uh... And maybe, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if The Last of Us needs a sequel because The Last of Us sort of did what it needed to do. But, like, that, that world seems maybe more fertile ground to kind of create a game with the progression elements you're talking about that would take it to the next level. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's Last of Us 2. That might be part of the plan. I mean, look, it could be a case where Naughty Dog's like, look, we have a fan base that has grown to expect this from this series. Mm -hmm. And I think if I had to put a label on this game, I would say it is the perfect game for casual players. Like, literally, if anybody... Well, has been positioned as that for a long time. I mean, remember those... The commercials were just like, it's your girlfriend will think it's a movie, you know? Like, yeah. Which is, like, kind of shitty, but, like... Uh, I'm, you know, they pushed that idea. This is like it's just like watching the best movie, action movie ever. And it's like there's been a couple times already in the game where I'm just like, man, I just I wish this was just a movie, so I didn't have to play this part. Well, I mean, the parts that you've been up to, you've been sitting and watching a lot. Yeah. Like the early like chapters of that game, like you hardly do anything. Like yeah. you literally just sit. And it feels like walk a, from point A to point B, or like it shoot feels four like a Kojima game. Like, yeah. At first, and I will say that that gets better. Like eventually. Mm-hmm the cutscenes start to melt away and you spend a lot more time actually interacting with our yeah. interactive entertainment. But man, that start is oh, like... Oh yeah, I mean, I, I hit a point where like, you know, it was, you know, when I hit chapter six, I look at the clock, I'm like, oh, it's, I gotta go to bed. It's, you know, yeah. I, gotta go, I gotta go to work in the morning. And it's like, I felt like I hadn't gotten to play yet. Yeah. You know, and I'd been playing for like three hours. The other thing I would say is those, the first handful of chapters go by real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I made it to like chapter five or six in like an hour and a half or something like that eventually the chapters get longer. Like, mm-hmm. there was a couple that lasted, like, an hour and a half, like, in the middle of the game or whatever. So, yeah, but I would say this is, like, the ultimate casual video game. It's easy. It's got a good story. It's got a love story. It's got sibling stuff going on in it. Um, it's very pretty, which, you know, a lot of casual people, you know, when you talk to them about what they care about, graphics are, like, way up here. Like, it is really, like, the penultimate casual video game. What's the ultimate? I guess it would be the ultimate. (laughs) Yeah. So, if look, if you're watching this or listening to this, and you're, like, the casual player who only buys a few games a year, and, you know, the thought of playing a game like Dark Souls makes you (laughs) recoil in horror, this game is for you. Go buy it. You will freaking love it. Lap it up. Eat it. You'll be sad when it's over. In my my opinion, by the time I got to the end of the game, I felt like it had gone along a little too long. Like, it kind of weren't... Because, again, because you're not gaining anything as you go. You're doing the same thing in the last hour of the game that you were doing in the third hour of the game. You never gain any abilities, and the ones that they do give you are not significant enough to really change the game. And so doing the same thing 
over and over and over again, even if it's only for like 15 hours, it gets old. Like, mm -hmm. it got really old. And uh, I don't know. It's been interesting to watch the reviews for this game because I feel like a lot of people are just getting caught up in how gorgeous it is, which I could totally see that happening. It is absolutely mind-blowingly, gobsmackingly gorgeous. But when you start settling down and you're about 11 or 12 hours into the game and the plot has kind of lost a little bit of its steam and you kind of know what's going on and a lot of the mystery's gone and you know what the goal is, you're just trying to get to the goal, mm -hmm. it was a little bit hard for me to finish the game. Um, I hate to say it, but maybe they should have cut a little bit of the game. It's also weird... A lot, a lot, so I'd say two of the three Uncharted's, uh, the previous Uncharted's, I would say, are a little longer than they need to be. Yeah. I do. I will say one thing. They did improve. The puzzles in this game are a little better. Mm -hmm. um, like a lot of puzzles in games, kind of once you figure it out, they're easy. But mm -hmm. just kind of figuring out what they're asking of you was kind of fun. Um, and, and again, like with the presentation values that the game has, they managed to put like a really nice slather of paint over top of their puzzles. Um, so I thought they were a little bit better. Um, but a game where you just, here's what you have, and then you use that same set of tools for the whole game, like they just really aren't games like that anymore. It's not common. Like, you even look at, like... I mean, unless you're talking about, like, I don't know, Match 3. I mean, there are games where it's, like, you, you play the main yeah. form of gameplay. You know, like, Pocket Card Jockey is the same thing over yeah. and over and over and over. But, like, um, I don't know. Like, see, I, I just, I've never been bothered by the fact that Uncharted is the same, is the same formula over and over. Just as long as you keep, like, wowing me with, with crazy set pieces and crazy... Because, you know, the, the Uncharted, I mean, obviously this is a totally different level than what we've gotten in the previous three games. Yeah. But Uncharted has always been sort of like a gold standard for at least console graphics yep, at, at the time of sure. their releases. And like as long as you keep delivering that and this like gunplay that while not spectacular like you know keeps me going. Serviceable, yeah. Like I'm pretty much fine. You know, I, I, you know my my foibles and, and, and reservations come entirely with the story because I have grown attached to these characters. Yeah. And I'm... I, I think you'll this, be satisfied yeah, with it all. Because at this point, yeah. I'm a little concerned that it's not going to do justice to these characters in in deference to this new character that it seems to think that I should care about as much as Drake does. And I just... I, it hasn't... Sam has not sold to me yet. I think your point. perspective on that will change. I, right. think, I don't think you'll be disappointed in the story ultimately. Um, I mean, it is... I mean, I didn't play it last night. I played it, you know, Tuesday night. Um, and I, I am like eager to like go play it now. You know, after we're done here, yeah. I'm gonna go home and play it. I'm like, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I'm, you know, like you say, I, I wouldn't want to binge this one the way like I think a lot of reviewers had to. Yeah. Um, and, and I, 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 like, I do not recommend that, by the way, when you get no. it, like, because I feel like I didn't even binge it, and I got, I felt like it got repetitive after a while. Mm -hmm. But I think like it's you know like a like a chapter or two a night. Yeah. Like is a good pace. Yeah, you're probably right. That's probably a good way to do it. Uh, multiplayer, I've played... I haven't touched that yet. I played the multiplayer beta, and I'm pl I've played a few hours now of the multiplayer in the final version. Um, unspectacular. Serviceable. Mm. Uncharted. It's not something you're going to be playing two weeks from now. No. I've, the Uncharted, un multiplayer and Uncharted has never held my attention for more than a few days. It's also pretty limited. There aren't a ton of modes. It's mm -hmm. like... it really. I mean, this is... I never really felt like it was tacked on in the prior games, but in this one, I really do feel like it was tacked on. Um, I'm surprised they even did a beta for it, to be honest, because hmm. it's such a small part of the experience, at least in my opinion it is. And also compared to, I mean, The Last of Us uh, multiplayer seemed to have a lot more meat on it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it definitely does, without a doubt. 
Um, so I don't know that it has a lot of staying power. Bottom line, though, this game is totally worth $60. Just for the mm. craftsmanship. Uh, just to... I've already seen $60 worth of visuals. Exactly. Frankly, even yeah. just one-third of the way through the game. Yep. I mean, go buy it. Um, I think there's a, a little bit of something for everybody yeah. in this game. Even if, if you're just... If you have a PS4, there's no reason not to, not to play this. And yeah. if you don't have a PS4 yet, when you pick up your PS Neo, buy this with it. Yeah, exactly. I can't even imagine what this would look like at a higher resolution. Yeah, I don't know. Like I mean, it. I don't know if they'll have, like, a Neo mode for this one. But if they do, like, I'll play it again in that. Well, if they are going to retrofit for Neo... This is the one... there's one game yeah. that they're going to do it... Yeah, if there's this one the game one. to do with it, it's like, oh, you remember that game that like blew your fucking mind? Yeah. Now look at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about like the strug- the destruction in the game. Oh yeah. Like you know, you take cover Which... behind stuff, and like you don't know whether it's gonna last right. or not. And like and sometimes it's like, oh, I can st- sit behind these like these cinder blocks. They'll be nope, the cinder blocks are gonna fall over. Yeah. And, like it's cr- it's nuts. I mean, I could honestly sit and talk for hours just about the technical side of this game. How because, there are so because many... as I watch this footage, I keep being reminded yeah. of like stuff that I experienced while playing it. It's hard to remember it all when you sit down and record a show, but as, as I watch this, I'm like, oh yeah, oh wow, that's right. This... Well, just how many shards and bits of things are flying around everywhere, and you're like, how is this game still running I know. smoothly? Like. It's really insane, man. Like, they're programmers, they're engineers at Naughty Dog. Like, I cannot believe they haven't been poached. I just... But mm-hmm. Think about the companies that would be willing to throw the money at the guys at Naughty Dog. And look, I would imagine working at Naughty Dog isn't the greatest thing. It's no. like, you get one of those guys out of there and you say, yep, 40-hour a week, that's all I want out of you, and we'll double your salary. I think you probably pluck a couple of the engineers from Naughty Dog. Yeah. But then, like, if you do that, do you do those people have the time to make something like this again? You yeah, know? they already have the knowledge now. Yeah. It's like, just build it. Like, go. And one thing I will say is I do kind of see why the game was delayed now that I've played it. Because there are, like, I've, for instance, I had crashes in the game. I've never had a crash really? in a Naughty Dog game in wow. my life. And I had three of them. Literally, where it just, the screen just froze. And it would do nothing. And... Two of the times I had to hard reset my console. The third time I just put the controller down, walked away, used the bathroom, got a drink, and came back, and it had kicked me back to the dashboard of PlayStation 4. Hmm. The first two times it just hard crashed and wouldn't do anything. I wow. had to like basically like hold the power button in yeah, for I've like I never 10 had seconds. a crash on a Naughty Dog game. I can't remember either. Never. Not even like PlayStation 2 era with Jack and Daxter. No. Never. Um, so I had crash bugs. I I've only seen... crash Bandicoot. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only crash I ever had from Naughty Dog. <laughs> Good one. Um, and I've seen some weird, like, graphical anomalies here and there, like textures that flick, flicker on and off, mm-hmm. and, like, some little stuff like that. I mean, look, it's an extremely polished game, and, you know, the craftsmanship on display here is just to think about what's going on, and for those to be the only thing I'm mentioning. Look at all the wood with. splinters. It's insane. Yeah. And apparently there are other bugs that I didn't encounter that they patched, um, but I did encounter three crash bugs, and that's never happened to me hmm. before in a Naughty Dog game. So... I can understand why it, you know, got a couple slight delays, uh, but mostly, and now that it's patched especially, it seems like it's in a really good place, and like, you know, three crash bugs in 15 hours, not that big a deal. No. Um, but yeah, I, look, I did really enjoy the game. Um, my eval will be up soon, so you'll get to see sort of my numerical perspective on everything. Um... I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to, I guess mm-hmm. is the way to put it. I really thought that they would progress the game more than just on a technical level. And in my opinion, that's really what's happened, is they're just like, here's this new engine, it looks amazing, but the rest of the game is basically exactly the same as the prior games. And some people may be okay with that. Sounds like a lot of people are okay with that. Yeah, I don't know about that. 
What do you mean by a lot? You mean like reviewers or whatever? Reviewers or people... I mean, I, I have not really seen a lot of negative commentary on this game. People seem pretty... Uncharted fans seem pretty satisfied with what they got. Yeah. Um, because it's Uncharted. Right. Oh, Uncharted fans are getting a gorgeous Uncharted. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what you're getting. For me, I would expect more on, in the fourth installment of a franchise. But they do have fans, and sometimes... If you're smart, you play to your fans, and that's mm-hmm. that. And that's definitely what Naughty Dog has done with this there's game. De- so. There's an if it, ain't, if, if it ain't broke mentality happening here, and yeah. I have a hard time blaming them for that. Yeah, I mean, from a financial perspective, it was probably the right call. Hopefully, we maybe we get a new IP out of Naughty Dog. That's really what I want, is mm-hmm. I want Naughty Dog to start from scratch, make a new game... With I feel of, like we'll get that after you know with more, we got Last with, of Us too, but like whoever you know the team that focused on Uncharted, I'm sure we'll move on to a new thing. And I want it to have modern contrivances, like you know I don't want it to feel like a game from last generation. Like I want mm-hmm. it to feel like I would like to see an open world Naughty Dog game, and there's little tastes of that here, um, not as much as I thought because you know they showed that Jeep demo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, are we gonna be able to just drive around like wherever we want to? And like, no, like that was just like. A couple There's levels areas. where you drive the Jeep. I mean, that's kind of what I thought it would be, like, like a Witcher 2 kind of thing. Where it's, yeah. like, it's not open world, but there's really big places. Oh, I mean, Witcher just... Yeah, you said Witcher, Witcher 2. Witcher 2. Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. Which was, like, not open world, but there were areas where, like, you know, you were... There were You're free like to three roam. very large areas where the game took place, and you could kind of run around wherever you wanted. Yeah. And it wasn't open world, but it was, like, probably about as big as, like, an open world, like, from the PS2 was. Yeah. But I would love to see Naughty Dog take on an open world game, like... Maybe. Where you actually have progression. Like, again, like, a modern game, I mean, that's really where games are all kind of shifting towards. Mm -hmm. Like, open world, fill around with it if you want, but here's a path you can take. Uh, Flexibility in how you do things. A little bit of that here as as well. Well, But just progression, to make you feel like you're actually making progress through something other than hitting the next checkpoint. Well, it'll be interesting to see what, like, Druckmann and company, now that they're, you know... This is, you know, if they do a new IP after Last of Us 2, like, that'll be the first new IP that those guys have b- developed, like, entirely on their own with, like, their, you know, full freedom to do however they want it, and it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Yeah. Because you've got, you got to think that they've got those ideas in their heads, too. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's probably, like you said, they got to play to their audience, especially, yeah. you know, with the sales of you, Uncharted. You, you get in been... trouble if you stray too far from the formula on a proven... Series. I do kind of feel though with Uncharted 4 because so many more people own the PlayStation 4 than own the PlayStation 3 who maybe never even really played an Uncharted game. They have a lot mm-hmm. of converts from Xbox 360 who have come over to PlayStation mm-hmm. 4. Like the door was kind of open there for them to do a little more than what they've done and have it be better received than if they had released it on PlayStation 3 where they built up all these expectations with the audience mm-hmm. that they had. So I think it's been received pretty well at this point. Like uh, I don't know. I mean, I think some of that may be a little misguided. If, mm. you, if you watch podcasts with journalists, it seems like the guy who reviewed the game sits and defends it against all the other people on the staff who played it and were like, dude, the game was boring. So, I don't know. Mm. I'm never going to say, like, one person's right and one person's wrong. It's all opinion. And saying one person's opinion is right or wrong is just bullcrap. But... Uh, but you know, I've watched a lot. I've watched a lot of podcasts. Period, and that's kind of been the recurring theme. The guy who reviews the game kind of goes on the defensive a little bit against the other editors on staff who have been mm. playing it and been like, "I'm not. I'm seeing it's good. I'm not seeing the ten or the mm. nine, whatever that you gave it." So the ten from GameSpot uh, was uh, a shocker to me. One of eighteen ever, and I actually watched the podcast where he tried to where he defended his score against some of the other guys and like. 
His arguments were a little flimsy. Like, he just basically kept saying what we said for the first 20 minutes of this discussion. Oh, my God, the graphics. Oh, the detail. And then when they actually started saying, well, you know, when you play it, though, it's blah, blah, blah. He was like, eh, all right. Mm -hmm. But everyone's got it. Opinions are like buttholes. Everybody's got one. Yep. <laughs> all right, let's move on. I think we already talked about an hour on Uncharted 4. <laughs> I knew it was going to work out that right. way. So it's just like the biggest game of the year, and my eval will be going up, and I'll have even more detail on my, my opinions in that. So let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about something we've talked about a couple times on the show before, actually, but mm-hmm. we always hypothesize that it might be happening, but now it has actually come to fruition. Matt, I think we can thoroughly declare that the Toys to Life bubble has popped. I don't know if I'd even describe it as a bubble in the first place. Really? No. like Because the thing that happened here was that we learned over the last year or two that the Toys to Life like, like space is not going to grow anymore. Like, there's a finite audience that is interested in this kind of game and this kind of product. But we didn't figure they, it out until this past holiday. Yeah. Well, LEGO Dimensions kind of, I think, finally proved that. It's like... Instead of, like, everybody who was into the Toys of Life stuff also buying LEGO Dimensions, the people who were into Toys of Life stuff migrated to LEGO Dimensions. Oh, well, she also mentioned so, that what prompted this whole thing yeah. is that Disney Infinity is no more. Right. Disney canceled it. Not only did it cancel the franchise, and it's not making any more of them, mm-hmm. it got completely out of video game publishing. Out of console game publishing, yeah. again. Yeah. Um, they've done this before. They have done it, yeah. Uh, and the, the real reason everyone's talking about Disney Infinity Cancel is it's the only game they had to cancel. Right. Like it was, you know, it's the only thing they're publishing, basically. Yeah. Well, they it'll, used to have Disney still... Interactive, but right. then that, but that moved over. But and... then like, that's a whole different thing. It's a lot of mobile in that, which is still existing. And the mobile stuff is still going to go on. Yeah. And they're still going to license their stuff out to other developers and publishers. So like Kingdom Hearts 3 is still happening. The Star Wars games are still happening. The Star Wars games are going to start happening a lot, apparently. We're looking at a new Star Wars game every year starting next year. Yeah, Battlefront 2 coming Battlefront out 2 next year. Battlefront 2 coming out, like, what, six months after the final DLC for Battlefront 1? Yeah. Ballsy. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> You're being polite, I think. <laughs> like, that's a lot to ask me to buy after it took you, like, a year and a half to finish your first one. It's going to have the new movies in it, Matt. Whee! Yeah. <laughs> but then there's another third movie to come out in that, and yeah. so one of my... You know, I think that's a really, really bad decision. It just, it seems to me that it's just like, you know, the Visceral game's not going to be ready in time, so they have to put something out, and that's a pretty easy fix. They're like, oh, we'll just snap another one together. Cut, yep. cut and paste one together. How about a campaign this time, boys? Yeah, that'd be nice. Anyone? You know you're not going to get it, though, if it's Probably coming not. out in two years. Yeah. And if you do get one, it'll be so crap anyway, you won't want to bother with it. But yeah, let's the, get back uh, to Toys to Life. Inf- I, I just think everyone migrated over to Dimensions, and you know we, we've learned that like that, you know there's a certain number of people that are interested in that space, and they will not there will not be any more. You know you've got a, a finite audience. You're trading back and forth between brands, and Disney is famously impatient when it comes to like making profit off video game publishing. And so I think it sounds like they just decided like we don't really want to go through the hassle of competing in this difficult and like limited space, so we're just going to walk away. Yeah, I think what the problem was for Toys to Life is that, sure, there are new people becoming old enough to play these games every day. You know, kids Mm -hmm. going from age 2 to age 3 or 3 to 4 or whatever. The problem is they're not keeping the people on the top end of Mm -hmm. their age bracket. So the kids are turning 12 or 13 and they're bailing. They're aging out. They're they're aging out of it and they're not sticking with it. And so that's why instead of the audience growing, it stays the same. You're losing just as many Mm -hmm. people off the top of the age bracket 
as you're gaining on the bottom end of it. And they did make some head. I mean, it's been conventional with, as someone who follows the toy industry pretty closely because I collect uh, a lot of nerd plastic. Um, the it's been conventional wisdom for the last two or three years. Two things. First, um, we've lost the children to video games. Yeah. Basically, like. Toys are for two audiences now, preschoolers and adults. You're right. <laughs> and, like, you start with, like, preschoolers, once they hit, six, like, five or six, they move to video games, and they don't care about toys anymore, yeah. basically. And then you lose them completely through teenage years, and then they come back to stuff as collectors, as the adults. nostalgia is And the other stuff. interesting thing is, like, um, when it comes to, like, stuff like this, especially, like, the major brands, you're looking at a pretty even distribution between boys and girls, and men and women once you get over 18. Yeah. So they've had, toys companies have had to shift their, their focus uh, to A, target the preschoolers, and B, target the adult collectors. And it's fascinating because for many years, as a Transformers collector, like the collector's market, like the adult collectors were like something like 10 to 15% of the market. And in the most more recent like reports and stuff, Hasbro has said that like the collector's market is closer to 40% now of the market. Yeah. So they've, you know, it used to be like, hey, if, if we do some little things that collectors like, just consider yourself lucky. Right. And now it's like, this line's for the preschoolers, this line's for the 30-year-olds. Right. You know? and, yeah. like, and it's like, or it's older. completely changed. <laughs> so the Toys to Life thing was in part an attempt to say, well, if we merge the toy thing with the video game thing, maybe we can keep these kids engaged with the physical toys a little longer than we would normally, and we won't just lose them directly to digital. And they were right. Like, like you had, you know, people, you know, you, you held these kids on some of these things for a few, few years. Skylanders held them through probably through like, you know, through 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, where they might not have gone there previously. But I think you're right in that as soon as they, you know, break through that middle school range, they're gone. And maybe they hand down the Skylanders to their younger siblings or whatever. But it's like, there's no more room for, like, there's always going to be a finite bracket of, you know, audience in that space, and that's it. I mean, you're going to have weirdo collectors like me who bought all the Star Wars things because I'm right. crazy, but yeah. it's like, you know, but even I waited until the multiple, numerous, constant clearances that happen of these toys. You know, every every other weekend you go into Target or Toys R Us and it's like, buy two, get one free, or like, buy one, get the other one half off, like, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, clearly the stores are having trouble clearing the product out, you know, yeah, getting yeah. the product off the pegs, because there's never a shortage of them, and unless you're talking about Amiibo. So uh, let's, let's talk about Infinity. And I, I, wonder, I wonder what the, you know, wh whether Amiibo fits this pattern at all, because it's a different thing than these so other things. Here's how I wanted to frame this discussion. So we want to talk about why is it that Infinity is the first one to jump out of the game, and then once we figure that out, then I want both of us to pick in order what of the next three will die we'll first? Fold. Yeah. Mm. So first of all, why was Infinity the one that died first? Because it has Disney characters. And like you said, toys, collectors, collectors love Disney. Why is it the first one to fail? Because Disney, Disney doesn't want to try in the game space. Like, I've, that's been the problem they've even, had but forever. But we've already said it. We've already established it really it's not about the game. It's really about the toy. Yeah. But it's also about, like, that's the only game they were publishing and developing in-house themselves. Like, you know, and for a while there, there, were, there was nothing. You know, Buena Vista software was, like, basically stopped doing right. things for yeah. years. And, like, it just, it never, and even at the time, they were mostly making, uh, like, handheld stuff. Right. And it feels to me that, like, Disney just wants to focus on mobile stuff because it's more lucrative and it's easier. And it's an easier place to kind of guard their brand. And, like, it's harder to make 
triple A or, or double A even like console stuff, you know, because like they're not even trying with like you know the why are there no Marvel Cinematic Universe games supporting yeah. supporting that market? I mean, you got the Lego games, which are made by a company owned by Warner Brothers, which is making the DC movies. Like it's like. Like that's how lucrative that is. Is that Warner Brothers is still willing to let one of their own companies make a Marvel Cinematic Universe game because there's so much money there? Well, there's a lot of risk in this genre because if there's one thing we've learned in the industry over the last 20 years, it's that peripherals can completely destroy a company. Mm -hmm. Completely. I it's mean, a whole separate space. It's a whole separate. Risk. THQ was destroyed by Udraw. Yeah. Literally, a single game with a peripheral took down a publisher that had been in the industry for like 15 years. It just took down Madcast with Rock Band 4. They're in dire straits now. They're not publishing Rock Band 4 anymore. Mm -hmm. Rock Band is becoming not viable. Guitar Hero Live is becoming not viable. So, you know, just intrinsically with these games where you have to have a portal and all these gadgets and toys that go with it, you're you're already playing with fire a little mm -hmm. bit by making games that require pieces of plastic. Well, remember when, the, when Toys for Bob, who were the people who made uh, Skyliners originally... They, when they brought their idea to uh, Nintendo, because they wanted to, like, you know, Nintendo seemed like a, a good fit for them. They brought it to Nintendo, and Nintendo didn't understand what the hell they were trying to pitch. Right. You know, yeah. they, they did, they're like, we don't get it. Like, what does it do? And, and like, when you see it, it's like, it seems like a pretty obvious idea, right? Yeah. But, like, Nintendo was just like, why would you, why would you, why would you want to yeah. do that? Yeah. Well, normally, Nintendo gets that stuff yeah. before everybody else does. And Nintendo yeah. has certainly learned that, like, the benefit of jumping on that train in the last year or so. I mean, the, the Amiibo is obviously very successful. And... They did team up with Skylanders to make some uh, Amiibo slash Skylander hybrid figures. Yeah. So clearly Nintendo got it eventually. But, um, you know, it's, it's a scary, weird thing to move into actual physical object production if you're a software company, I think. And, you know, we're even seeing some growing pains on that with the Vive and the Oculus here, yeah. you know. Um, so it's hard to blame people. And then, like, you've got, you know, I think Disney Infinity was a little bit of a bandwagon jump. Yeah. Off of the back of Skylanders. And I think Disney Infinity did some really cool stuff. And the toys are very cool. I, I, the, they're high quality. They're very yeah. high quality. Yeah. Um, and I'm sad they're going to go away. Maybe that's why they're going away. Because their toys be. were too good. It could be. Like, Disney <laughs> has a certain standard. And if they, it's no longer financially viable, then I guess they'll walk away from it. I mean, I wonder how much of it was Disney Infinity specifically. And how much of it was just like, we don't want to do this, this game thing anymore. It could be. You know? All right, so let's start... And I do what I do feel. Picks. I feel very bad for Avalanche, because I'm I'm I that's, I think it sucks that they shuttered them rather than selling them. Yeah, that's 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 for certain. That was a really poor decision. All right, so let's start saying which ones we think is going to die first between Lego Skylanders and Amiibo. Matt, which one do you think is going to die next? Skylanders. Skylanders. Yeah. And why? Because uh, Supercharge did not perform anywhere near what now they were Now you know, thinking. as of right now, Skylanders is the only. Only of the four that is mm -hmm. already announced to have a game coming. Yeah. Well, it's Activision. Of course yeah. there's going to be another game coming. But I think Supercharge is underperformed. I don't think the next one's going to perform up to snuff. And I think eventually... I mean, Activision, I don't know how tenacious they are. But look, LEGO Dimensions is burn, burning up the charts, uh, as, you know, re you know, comparatively. LEGO is already on, on board with doing... I mean, it's just it appeals to so many different things. And they've got it selling through so many different outlets to so many different types of audiences that I think they're going to... I mean, there are people that collect LEGO that buy those things just to have the LEGO sets. They don't even care yeah. about the game. So they've got that going for them. Uh, but I think Skylanders is, Skylanders is going to go first. I think uh, I think LEGO Dimensions will probably shut down next. because they, they, I guess they have like a three-year plan to support it as a platform, but I have a hard time seeing them do LEGO Dimensions 2 after that. Yeah. And I think Amiibo are going to be around for 
as long as the NX is around, at least. You pretty much just mirrored my, I don't even need to make my picks. You said exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Skylanders is going next. Skylanders has, it'll, all it has is itself. Yeah. That's the problem. It's like this isolated, pr- look, I know it started as Spyro or whatever. Spyro was never a huge character. That universe no. was never big. It has what it created. It's like Pokemon, but not as good as Pokemon. You have, what Lego has is that it has everything. Everything, yeah. Everything. And like, it's very, the other thing about Lego Dimensions, I think it's very appealing to parents. Like, parent, it's more pricey, but parents are going to be willing to, oh, I'm going to buy your kid the Back to the Future set? Yeah, totally. Like, get your kid into the Back to the Future. Well, it's like, even for us, like, you know, Portal is, mm-hmm. there's a Portal. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Like, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Like, it, it. It can work with anything, and so for... And I think it, it doesn't have the limitations that Disney put on Disney Infinity, where you couldn't play, like, Marvel characters in the Star Wars sets and stuff, but in, in LEGO Dimensions, you can, go, you can go to, you know, Springfield, and Doc Brown and Batman and Gandalf can help clean up, like, Moe's. You know, it's, it's and they like, relish it's, in it. Yeah, it's great. They're, they're totally on board with it. And uh, I also agree. I honestly think Amiibo will be around forever. I think Amiibo as is... As long as NFC Amiibo's chips one of, exist, yeah. Amiibo will be around for... Because, Amiibo's one of Nintendo's pillars now, I think. Because why Amiibo are going to be successful is because Nintendo, use, you can use them in all games. Mm-hmm. It's like, even with LEGO Dimensions, it's like, you get a toy for LEGO Dimensions. You can use it in LEGO Dimensions. You get an Amiibo, you can use that Amiibo in all Nintendo's games. And even Nintendo gets like some of the third parties to like mm. incorporate it into it. So you get that Mario Amiibo, you can use it in Smash Brothers, you can use it in the new Mario game, you can use it in Mario Kart. And you in can, theory, you know, you can ten, use it ten in years Super from Mario now, Maker. 10 years from now they can make a game that's like, oh, it's gonna use all the Smash Brothers U Amiibo. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, you know, you, they can always go back on that and, and use it again. And Nintendo is probably going to just, just Broaden and broaden and broaden the usage of Amiibos. How long... Okay, so we both established we think Amiibo will probably last as long as Nintendo will last. How long do you think LEGO Dimensions lasts? I think LEGO Dimensions lasts... Um, I'm going to say three years. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say they're, run out of, they're going to run out of steam somewhere in, the, in like late 2018. I would say two years for LEGO Dimensions. I would say the next Skylanders game is the last Skylanders game. I would not be surprised if that was the case. Yep. Unless Activision is much more stubborn about pulling that plug than I think they will be. They have been stubborn in the past a little bit, but they've also got burned by being stubborn. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling that they've probably learned from... And again, high-risk business with the plastic. Yeah. And they know that better than anybody. Yeah. I mean, they... I mean, my... my Guitar the- Hero. They're learning their lesson with Guitar Hero yeah. again. <laughs> like, my thought is, like, this this year's Skylanders will probably go back to basics a little more than, like, you know, because I think... At this point, you can't quite make the call if you're Activision. I don't think like whether or not oh Skylanders is over or like well they didn't people didn't like the car vehicle like right. angle. So like if you kind of go back to like the the core concept of Skylanders again and that still doesn't work, it's like it, well then it's over. Yeah. You know? Like even the people have been lured away because you know, Skylanders for a long time their their appeal was like they were you know they were the only game in town in the, in the space and like they did some really cool creature designs and character designs like there's some really cool but like now you're like. These things are across the aisle from Han Solo and Darth Vader and Scooby Doo and you know Peter Venkman and I'm like yeah. well, and that's you know that's a big draw I get, you know it's like oh look at all these characters you grew up with and love versus this weird, that's a weird dragon that's, thing that's you know, it's like, like, it's, it's, you know that's and, like an elephant crossed with an aardvark. <laughs> it has a crossbow you know it's like, yeah. it's like I don't you know. It, 
I, yeah. I like a lot of the designs they've yeah, done for Skylanders, but, like, but yeah. like they're just they're up against titans. They're just yeah. anonymous, like yeah. whatevers, yeah. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think at this point, the phenomenon, or whatever you want to call it, the bubble, the phenomenon, <laughs> Toys to Life. The strange side road. Yeah, that was, <laughs> Toys to Life. that was Toys to Life. Another peripheral-driven series bites the dust. And uh, best of luck to those that, uh, was it Avalanche that made the game? Avalanche Software in Salt Lake City. They, they I interviewed the for a job there at one point. Yeah, they've been around forever. Yeah. They, they did the, the Mortal Kombat trilogy and Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub-Zero ports to PlayStation. They did... <laughs> Attacking the power of Juju. Oh wow, some real ringers. They did, yeah, they did. They did some uh, some classics. Yeah, they also made a snowboarding game. They did. Yeah, yeah. they were. Uh, that was the jack of all trades, apparently. I. It's that's a shame. I mean, just I. I, I was thinking they were going to sell them off like THQ style, and they yeah. just shut it up. They've been around a long time. Yeah. Just be closed like that. So. Best of luck to anyone at Avalanche uh, finding new work. You mm. guys have been in the industry a long time. I don't think it'll be too tough for you guys. But no, those are. I mean, th- especially the animation people over there. Like the you know those guys were amazing. Like the, all the Disney Infinity animation was so good. It was and yeah. so character driven and so careful. It that studio has also gotten better over time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Disney. They they visibly improved from one Infinity to the next yep. as well. And vast improvement from their prior games before that. Yeah. So. And they're good collaborators too, because they had so many different studios working on the you know 3.0 and 2.0, um, and they you know grew them, grew like those studios cl- you know collaborations, and like Studio Gobo did like the vehicles in 3.0, and then like they had like a couple different companies doing the combat and integrating all that. Like you know that's there's some very talented people over there. It's a shame to see them go. Yep. So best of luck to you guys. Let's move on to the next topic. Civ Six. Uh oh. Matt, how big of a Civilization fan are you? Not as much as I used to be. I feel like I'm constantly chasing that Civilization II dragon, and I should probably just admit that, like, I'm old and different now, and it's never going to be like that again. Like, I used, <laughs> I used to play long into the night, Civilization II. I used to just massacre civilizations, and I would, I would get sadistic about it. I'd conquer the whole planet, and then I'd surround the last city and just let them starve to death, basically, <laughs> until they, until they starved down to like one population number, and, I, and then I just, it. boom, and then I just nuke the shit out of them. Like I was a, I was a horrible, monstrous You're tyrant. Mean. Um, and like I've just never quite gotten the same, the bug from any of the subsequent ones. I like, really? Civ, I like Civ. Once Civ Five had a couple of the expansions in place, I think that game's really good. It's really good. Um, um, yeah, but again, Civ Six. I'm like, I know that they're saying already in like the Polygon article and stuff. They're, they're like, oh, this, like we won't need to add any new, you know, any systems that were in Five are going to be in this one without expansion packs. Will be there at launch. And I'm like, I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. You said that sure. about the last one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, I'm just waiting for you to announce the always online DRM. Okay, like I, I'm just, I just don't trust any of this shit anymore. Here's the thing about Civ is. I'm always reluctant to start playing it. Like, I see, I saw mm-hmm. Civ 6, they put out the debut trailer, I'm like, oh, it's Civ 6, yeah, you know. And I think back, and I'm like, oh, I played the last one for like 180 hours, mm-hmm. and I played the one before that for like 250 hours, and it. I'm just like, oh, well, I don't, I'm not really concerned about this one. I know for a fact, if I get Civilization 6 and I start playing it, I will not be able to stop. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Like, I just... I mean, it is the series that created the phrase, just one more turn. Mm -hmm. Like, that is where it comes from, and it earned it. Like, there's no game like it. It, The time just... 
It's like you enter like a time warp when you play this game. Mm. It's like time no longer exists. Like well, it's a, it's a fascinating how you're like, because you set little goals for your oh I'll I'll take over this side of the continent and then that'll be I'll save it and that'll be it for the night. And then, like, something happens that throws your plans into disarray. Yeah. Like, you end up in some One crazy, like... One army attacks yeah. some little territory you had. You're just like, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, not okay. letting that happen. I'm like, I'm, like, two turns away from taking the rest of the... You know, I'll have this city, and that'll be the end of it. And then I can fortify that, and then that'll be it. And I'll save the game. And right on that second turn, some jerk comes Marauder. in from the other side and just, like, takes the middle city that you've been... Like, like you didn't think you needed to defend it because, like, you had to stretch it, stretch it thing. Yeah. And now it's, like, this huge war for the center of this continent that you thought you had secured and it yeah. just goes on and on and now it's four in the morning. But that's what I... Yeah, that's what I find strange about Civ is, like, when I hear about a new one, I have, like, no desire to play it. It's mm. very odd. But then when I do finally say, ah, oh, screw it. Like, I'll it'll, try it. Yeah. Right, I'll get it for like 10, 10 bucks, 15 bucks on a Steam sale or whatever. I play it, and then it's just, mm. I'm done. Like, I would say for a single-player game, it is probably the best money you could ever spend on a video game. It's up game. there. I mean, it, it, at least in the top, like, 5 percentile. I mean, mm. when you spend, like, even at $60, the amount of play that you're going to get. Look, a lot of people don't like to play multiplayer. And, like, even games like The Witcher 3, like, have a hard time competing with Civ. Mm -hmm. Like, it is just one of those games that once you get hooked into it, and it's like you meet other people who are into it, and, like, there's this, like, camaraderie about it. Like, I don't know what it is. There's Well, there's also kind of, like, the way it kind of... It's very good at creating, and that's what, one of the things I liked about Civ 2 back in the day, was that you, it, like, narratives form in your head over what's yeah. happening, and you kind of make, I mean, you see what's happening with your armies, even though it's just little squares moving back and yeah, forth. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, that fight was tough. Like, you know, it was like I was like, saying earlier, like, we, I think last week or the week before on the show, we were talking about how when we played games when we were younger, we had to like, create it in our right. imagination. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just intrinsic to our generation where the games when we first played it, like you had to like make up better stuff in your mind mm -hmm. than what you're seeing on the screen. Well, I, and some of the games are starting to catch up, like uh, Crusader Kings 2 like has as a function of it sort of like those little story, like narrative creation things as part of its sort of hierarchy and, and airs and, you know, political intrigue. Like it's sort of, it, it kind of creates that like as part of the actual gameplay and sort of meets you halfway on that. And yeah. then their new game that just came out this week, Stellaris, has a similar thing to Civ in that, like, I haven't played it yet because it's a 4X game, uh, and those games are always those games, and I'm just like, that sounds awesome, and then I like, poke at the interface for, like, 10 minutes, and I'm just like, I don't want to play this right now. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you but know. But I think that's but civilization, kind of this... But Civilization is a much more accessible experience. It is, but it still has a little bit a little of that bit. in it. It's like, you know how deep the pool yeah. goes, but and it's you're like... like but it's like, Do here, I want to dive in? I'll give you an example. Like, so one a guy I know on a forum was playing Stellaris, and this is the kind of thing that's, that tempts me on these games like this. He's, so he's like, so he's got an empire, an interstellar empire in this game, Stellaris, and he's, um, but it's a democracy, it's a, it's a democracy. So he's trying to explore past these two planets, and one planet is full of uh, humanoids that are don't like him and are like, protesting against him, and the other planet is full of non-sentient crickets, like a giant race <laughs> of non-sentient right. crickets. And the crickets join the humanoids. The humanoids, like, take... like they So they form, like, this rebellious faction. <laughs> and eventually he wins over the humanoids. But that leaves the rebellious faction with the non-sentient crickets. And non-sentient races in the game can't uh, deform, like, a faction, I guess. Right. So it's like, it might be a kind of a bug a little bit. 
Get it, bug? Yeah. Cricket. So the crickets <laughs> are non-sentient Greece cricket monsters are basically destroying buildings all over the planet, and there's nothing he can do. So he develops a technology that lets him uplift the crickets into sentient beetle people. <laughs> but that just creates a new race of beetle people, but it also leaves like a bunch of the crickets still there. And now that the beetle people are sentient, they get a say in the democracy of the empire. And then because there's so many of them, they all vote for themselves. <laughs> and now the president of his empire is a non-sentient cricket. That's a bug, definitely. And, I, and I'm like, or that's an oversight. It, it's a bug, but it's also awesome. awesome yeah. Like it's, it and really so is. it's like stuff like that that like you can play for like a hundred hours, and then you get a payoff like some uh, something so ridiculous or some crazy military situation that you have to like double think your way out of in a really creative way, like where you're like, well, I didn't intend to do this, but now I'm just going to build a bunch of boats in my back city and send them all the way around to like hit these guys that are pissing me off. I've been pissing me off for like in civilization. It's like these guys have been attacking this city for three hundred years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I'm, going to, I'm going to send a boat around over 50 yeah. years time and yeah. you know, hit them from the rear. I think what I've discovered, so I, I was doing research for this topic and trying to figure out all the new features for Civilization VI, and what I realized is that like there really aren't any. Like They've really <laughs> just run out of ideas for Civilization, and it's been that way for a while. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big reasons why it's very hard for me to get motivated to play another one. But the fact of the matter is, is that it is timeless. Mm. And so when you finally like get over the, well, I'm not really hyped for the new one, and just play the new one, you find that it's every bit as addictive as the last ones. Like uh, some of the the new features, quote unquote, uh, they're tweaking how Fog of War works. Like apparently if you've discovered parts of the land in Fog of War, like they've, there's like a drawing like schematic that goes up over the Fog of War or something, mm. which I don't know how that's supposed to work. Uh, there's new world wonders. Surprise, surprise. The biggest change, I think, is that cities are bigger. Mm -hmm. So, you know how cities in this game, it's like a collection of, like, yeah. tall buildings that go straight up? Well, now there's, like, suburbs and things out that kind of sprawl out of mm -hmm. the cities, which could actually change... That changes military tactics a lot. substantially. Yeah. yeah, so that's actually one pretty big change. Um, as you already said, all the tweaks that came in the Civ Five expansions are all part of Civ Six right out of the gate. Um, so the Germans would have us believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the leaders that you choose actually affect like the agenda system in the game. Instead of them just being mm -hmm. like a figurehead, it actually affects how you how everything plays out on down the line. I like that. That's that's a little Crusader Kings two ish. It uh, is. I like I like that addition. Um, they removed one victory type and added another one. They wouldn't say what that was yet. Um, they said that a Teddy Roosevelt quote is what drives the new diplomacy system. He made some quote about how, like, the future of diplomacy will not be with war. Because back when he was president, mm. that's how what decided everything. War. Right. Like, if you had a problem, you went and just killed the other, the right. other person. And he, ha he had the foresight to see that in the future it wouldn't be that way. And they're, ch they're saying that, like, as the game wears on, when you first start, it is all about war. But as the game wears on, it becomes more about diplomacy and mm. other ways to finish the well, game. Well, unfortunately for them, my civilization uh, diplomacy strategy uh, runs on another Teddy Roosevelt quote. Yeah. Which is, uh, speak softly and carry a big stick. Yeah. <laughs> I always use war to win a these A nuclear games. stick. Yeah. I always, at least my first playthrough, I always just use war. I always, I used to, on Civ 2, I used to build my city slightly inland. Specifically, so that when the water levels started to rise from me nuking the other countries over and over again, <laughs> I would have coastal property. Brilliant. I was uh, a monster in that game. I was just a, a, a vicious monster. And then, yeah, it sounds like it. And then, 
And then they said that they have something called Eureka Moments that will give you tech boosts. Mm. They're like iconic things that happen in your society that inspire right. the people, essentially. Seems like kind of an ex- like an extrapolation or an expansion on like the great person idea. Yeah, it is. It's kind of the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Like... Mm-hmm. Again, it's like it was a little bit of an if it ain't broke, don't you know? But you can also see where a couple of these things that seem really small could end up being yeah. huge. So, like the suburb thing, I think will change the game specifically. You because know, it was it always sucked when like the enemies like raised the territory. They were you know they like you know pillage everything as they as they move through. Yeah, you're yeah. Like, now I got to build a goddamn road again. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. But now you're like talking about really affecting some infrastructure maybe and some yeah. your economy in a way. You know, because usually if your city was cool, you were you were set. You know, you'd have to rebuild some stuff, but it wasn't really impacting you tremendously as long as they didn't manage to take the city. But if you're like, re, you know, I have also have to imagine that in certain government types, uh, the people who live in your suburbs are not going to be happy if you're just letting the Mongols run in every, right. every 15 minutes. Yeah, so. yeah. No, that's inter- I mean, it's interesting. I'm, I'm probably on board in general, but like part of me is also skeptical the way you are about like, but Civ Five's already like really Pretty good. Awesome. So. Yeah. <laughs> And I pay like ten bucks for that. So what do I need yeah. to do? You know, I, I wonder. I wonder uh, if there's and it looks pretty much the same. Yeah. You know, slightly refined visuals. Well, they haven't like, really shown any in-game. This is all Civ Five that we're showing yeah. right now. So. But I mean, like the screenshots are. You know, there's like screenshots of like here's cows and six versus cows and five. Yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, those are cows. You know, I don't. <laughs> I yeah. Think... So before we move on to the next topic, I would say like anybody who's watching this. And look, there are some really young people on Sifted. Like, mm-hmm. if you have never played a Civilization game, go buy one right now. Like, you can probably get Civ 4 for, what, five bucks? Something like that. Like, I mean, Civ 5 with the expansions would be my recommendation. Yeah, it's the best so far, yeah. for sure. But I'm just saying, if you want to try it out on the dirt cheap, Civ mm-hmm. 4 is still a great game. And you can literally probably get it for like five bucks. Yeah, I, I imagine it's under ten. You'll spend five dollars, and you'll have a game that you will enjoy playing for literally hundreds of hours. So, highly recommend it. Even if you don't think you're normally into those type of games, I think you might be surprised. So, let's move on. Matt, this is a topic that you're going to have to school me on a little bit. So, we're going to talk about Persona Five. Mm. Brand new trailer comes out this week. First time we got new media since like last E3. Yep. And, and a release date. For yeah, Japan. well, the Japanese release date. Which doesn't look good for the, the no, home team. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Was it September 3rd? I think it's September 29th, September 29th? actually. Yeah, I September, mean, look, it's not September happening. something. It's not coming out it's here. It's not coming out year. in the West this year. Which my fantasy Very disappointed. is done. It is done as done could be. Yeah. Well, I had to look, we had to look up before we went, went, on, went live. We are like, who has Uncharted 4? Like, who, I have Uncharted, Uncharted 4. 4. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, yeah. my gaming valve will not contribute to the aggregate to no. bring it down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it a zero. Get out. <laughs> um, so, full disclosure, I have never finished a Persona game. Wow. I've never had to review one, so I've never stuck it out and finished the whole game. I've played a little bit of pretty much all of them, but I've never completed a game. You've certainly spent a lot more time than me. What I want to do with this discussion is not necessarily talk a ton about Persona 5, because in all honesty, there's not a ton no. of information out there about it. I mean, it. I watched that trailer, and I feel like I still don't know any more than I did before I watched the trailer. I mean, they're being, I mean, not that I'm complaining, because part of the fun of the Persona, especially Persona 3 and onward, the fun of the Persona games is sort of discovering the world and discovering the systems and how everything works and all these weird characters, so I'm kind of glad they're being very intentionally vague about what's happening. Uh, but it's also kind of maddening like, yeah. to, to watch this stuff and be like, I don't know, it looks great, but I don't know what to tell you. So what I want to do with this topic is 
explain to people why they should care so much about Persona 5 because mm-hmm. it gets a good response on Sifted. There's certainly a, a core group of people on Sifted who are really into the game, but I feel like there's even more people who are like, why are people so into Persona? Mm-hmm. And why is that, Matt? I think because it's not like anything else. You know, it comes out of the Shin Megami Tensei series, which is a very long run. You know, where it goes back to the, uh, I think, the 8-bit days. Yeah. Um, and, like, Shin Megami Tensei is very, it's kind of, like, demon-oriented, and, you know, this is a dungeon crawler more than anything else. And the Persona games were more, like, kind of, you know, standard JRPG takes on the same material. So, like, there's a lot of demons you use in Persona as personas that are also demons in the Shin Megami Tensei. There's a lot of crossover stuff. Explain the personas, though. People may not understand what So, in Persona, the, it varies, you know, slightly per game, but basically uh, a persona is like a demon or a, a spiritual monster thing that's attached to a character that is their true form or their true personality or their true true fighting form, and they can release it during battle to cast spells or to use attacks or etc, etc. There's various ways that that works. And kind of kind of the way that works in a particular Persona game is usually the crux, the cru- crux yeah. of how that game brings you in. And like probably the most controversial was Persona 3, where um, to get your Persona out, you, had, you took a magic uh, gun and shot yourself in, in the, the head. head yeah. um, so you had all these teenagers, you know, high school kids like holding guns to... Be- and they all had their own, you know, <laughs> your, the main guy you played uh, like held it, you know, to, his, to the side of his head like a, like a normal, you know, kind of... They also but then like that... one of the girls like stuck it under her chin. And, I mean, it was, it was dark. They also used that kind of iconography as like the marketing for the game. Like yeah. a lot of the like still images they put out for that game showed like the guy with the gun, gun and like, and the it and was the almost it was almost like um, uh, the Borderlands cover, yeah. where the guy like You're was right. shooting himself in the head, and it was like you know the spray out was like screenshots and the, the game's logo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it, the the Persona games are, are famous for being kind of dark and creepy and edgy and oddly sexual. Um, there was you know Persona One did for the PS One did come here, and then Persona Two was weird because it was two games in Japan. It was Innocent Sin and Eternal Punishment. And uh, Eternal Punishment was the only one that came here at the time because Innocent Sin involves uh, a bunch of weird shit, but also Hitler. And then Innocent Sin did finally make it to America um, on PSP uh, with Hitler, like, I think they stuck, like, sunglasses on him and changed the name to Fuhrer. As though that, like, like it was no like, not know. even not even trying, frankly. <laughs> um, and it was I always thought, also thought that was weird because like I already played a game, a video game with Hitler, and it was called Bionic Commando on the NES, right. and like his head exploded too, like very yeah. visible, very visually exploded. <laughs> I'm just like, it was Hitler. Like, yeah. you, like it's not like Hitler hasn't been in games before on the U.S. shores, yeah. but um, Persona Three was was notable because it kind of reformulated how the series works, and and the so, and four followed suit where. You're a kid, usually, you know, transferred to a new school, basically, and it's, like, kind of, it's very, very, very Japanese. And, like, you're very, it's this very Japanese school, and, like, you hook up with, like, you know, no, some I new mean, friends. That's, that's one thing we haven't mentioned, really, is the whole school element of yeah. the series. Yeah, because, like, it, it, Persona 3 really crystallized, where, like, like it's, it's as much dungeon crawling as it is managing your school schedule. Right. So, like, during the day, you go to class. Sometimes there's kind of, like, life simulation yeah, elements in it. definitely. Yeah. And, like, there's dating sim elements, and, like, you have to form what's called social links with people... 
and other students and like you know depending on who you choose to spend time with you'll, those social links will improve and that will improve certain types of personas so you have to buddy up to the right people if you to get the right social links to make the personas you want to use more powerful and there's you know the people are very dedicated to like oh there's you know a perfect playthrough so there's like you know, this day at this time, you have to go do this and talk to this person, and then you know, there's full walkthroughs of how to, well, every single imaginable choice in the game, and then at you know, usually there's some kind of uh, uh, alternate world or like way to jump into like some kind of shadow realm where like that's where the the, the dungeons are, and like in Persona Three, it was like this like one of the one of the school areas I think just turned into this infinite like giant dungeon you'd crawl you'd climb or or go down I don't remember if it was up or down I played Persona I finished Persona 3 and the expansion Persona 3 Fez but I don't remember a whole lot about it because it was it was so <laughs> well, long Because it's obtuse as well I It mean, is obtuse It's hard to remember stuff And they're about hard these games. like yeah. those games are not easy one of the interesting things about Persona um, 4 is that you don't control the other characters in your party you just control your character Right and yeah. uh, I think I think the Vita version might have added a way to control everyone, but I think it's more interesting to just have control of your player character. Um, but so so the the hook of the game is kind of like you've got these incredibly weird demon like alternate universe like you know strange supernatural elements, but you also have this like like thuddingly mundane school simulation. Yeah. Where like the juxtaposition yeah, there is like, like I mean there's bonkers. like there's people arguing over what to have for lunch that day and then like you know 15 minutes later in the game you're in a dungeon killing Satan you yeah know? It's, like, <laughs> it's uh it's fascinating it's very Japanese and like they're you know the, the art styles are very striking the the visual design of all the characters and all the personas are, are unique and and Persona Five looks remember, incredible oh they're they're amazing and, like look at all the it weird, looks like a suit and like look at all game. the even just the UI where like they've got that, that crazy like you know, text is everywhere and like everything's kind of cartoony and and bright and, and bold and like you know nothing, nothing else looks like it. It looks like a Suda game, Suda Fifty One. Yeah, I can see that, but it's it's uh, the Persona games are way more polished than anything oh, Suda's yeah, ever course, made. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, they're and you know and they've done a fighting game, uh, Persona. Persona you know, I think that's Arena. for me what what uh, what I enjoy most about the Persona games is that they're really look. There's lots of wacky Japanese games. In mm-hmm. fact, the vast majority of Japanese games are pretty wacky. Like. What people don't realize, when they think about Japanese games, they think about Nintendo or Kojima or Sega. There's this whole market of just weird games that are released there. And it used to be more prevalent than it is now, back when game development was a lot cheaper than it is now. But Persona is a series that has that wacky, but it's still, like, AAA polished, mm-hmm. like, high quality. And that's what you didn't get with, like, a lot of those other games that mm-hmm. were kind of weird, because... What happens is Japan focus tests a lot of stuff if they feel like they're going to put a lot of money behind it. And what it does is it, like, gentrifies it and America, America-fies it. I just made up a word. With this franchise, they haven't done that. They put all the resources and the money and the time behind the game while still keeping it true to their original concept. And I think, to me, at least personally, that's why it sticks out for me in a whole glut. Because, I mean, look, they're are so many JRPGs, like, mm-hmm. so many. Not a lot for consoles anymore, but on the handhelds, there are just scores of them, and no one cares about them. Like, we put up stuff for them on Sifted, and, like, they don't yeah. even get, like, a single, like, one-up. These games like, I feel in, sad for them. These like, games stick in your head. I mean, if I'm going to go back and play, like, nostalgically, if I'm going to go back and play a JRPG, if I'm in the mood for, like, oh, I want to play a JRPG, I want to play something I've already played, I know it's like, but I just want to, like, kind of immerse myself, I'm going to put, pick either a Persona game or a Suikoden game. Yeah. Like, those are the two JRPG series I continually go, which is funny because they are very, almost polar opposites 
They are, yeah. yeah. Like, one, like historical, like military drama versus like crazy modern, uh, supernatural, like school simulation dating dungeon crawler <laughs> thing. I mean, yeah, it, it's so hard to pin down. And then, like, you just describing a little with, individual with elements. Panty shot mini games. Panty shot mini games, <laughs> and there's a teddy, there's a giant bear from another dimension inside your television who actually turns out to be like this weird, kind of androgynous little boy who has the most annoying voice you could ever possibly fucking imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just on and on and on and on. Uh, and then meanwhile, it's like, don't forget to eat the ramen today. Yeah. Because <laughs> that gives you a strength boost. You're like, I, okay. You know. But if that's what I would say. Like, I think a lot of people... And the music's great, too. The music is like... It whack. is, it, like, yeah. Just, it's really weird. It's legitimately good, but it's like weird choices for it. But somehow you can't imagine it not being that. It reminds me a little bit like Splatoon, as far as like... Mm, if mm-hmm. you listen to it, you're like, what the hell is yeah. that? But this is kind of catchy. Or Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah, yeah. Although I think the music uh, in Persona is much better. Yeah, yeah. But it's that same kind of like... You, you thought like, like you know, like sort of drop beat pop rock was like the yeah. way to go with the scene <laughs> about the dying child. Right. Like, okay, sure, you know, if that's where you want to play it. Yeah, I guess one thing I would say about Persona before we move on is that it's very easy to look at like all the footage that we just showed you and say, oh, it's just another weird Japanese game, but it's really not. Like, it is kind of in a, a, a another mm-hmm. class from a lot of the games that it sadly kind of gets clumped in with. Yeah. There's a reason the tra- the first trailer for this went up and it did 5 million views in like a day because it mm-hmm. is kind of a cut above a lot of the other games that it appears to be similar to. It's, yeah, and it's if you've never played anything like it, you've never played one of the Personas, I mean, I, I would probably recommend thinking about picking the strategy guide up with it. Yeah. Some of the systems can be real obscure. Yeah. What you should really do is just play through the game once and do whatever you want to do. That's a big and commitment. It is, but like, but the idea is <laughs> like, you games know, are huge. Frankly, you need kind of one playthrough to really grasp you're what's right, going though, on right, and how yeah. everything works, and then when you play it again, because I played Persona 4 Golden, I think three times on the Vita. It's, the, it's yeah. probably the only thing I've done on the Vita for the most part. I think I played a lot of that game in Ninja Gaiden Sigma Black. Yeah, but like, I've spent the most time with that game on my Vita than the other mm-hmm. game. Yeah, but easily. Like, it's just I never it, had a game on Vita other than that one where I just was like totally engrossed with it and mm-hmm. like every night played it. Like it just never happened. Like most of the games I played on my Vita, I'd play for like a day and then they're gone and I just yeah. never really got sucked into anything on that. Pers- on the Persona's got it. It's got a polish. It's got a. It's got a personality. It's got a. It's got a heart to it. It that, does. That, yeah. Like, you just, it's hard to put your finger yeah. on it, but it does. Yeah. And it's like something that doesn't come. You know, there used to be a time when like you could find games like that. Coming out of Japan, mainly you know RPGs around the uh, PS2 era, that you know Persona 3 was still a special thing, but it, there was a lot more like it at the time. And yeah. now Persona is pretty much the last man standing. Well, as far as quality, yeah. Anyway, those I mean, yeah, you can still get time. Yeah, I think uh, the the Trails series is pretty 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 up there too. It's not on the level of Persona, but I think if you you could do worse than Trails of Cold Steel on the PlayStation 3 if you still have a PlayStation 3 sitting around. That works. Yeah. Yeah, it works. All right, let's move on. Going to talk about The Witcher 3. Finally, this week, we got a look at the Blood and Wine Mm. DLC. Matt, you have spent countless hours with The Witcher 3. Oh, I can count them. Did the (laughs) game eval for Sifted. In fact, maybe tapping you to do the eval for this as well. I don't know. My time is limited these days. (laughs) You're going to play it, right? Yeah, but I don't know how I'm going to finish it in time. I mean, that might be a several-month process. What if I could tell you I could get it to you tomorrow? I don't believe you. <laughs> anyway, 
Have you? I'm assuming you've checked out the initial trailer and the yeah. developer doc. How are you feeling about this? The last piece of DLC with mm-hmm. Geralt, at least. Mm-hmm. Although now it's really starting to look like it might be the last piece of DLC, period. Yeah, I think this is it. I think this is The Witcher 3 completed. Um, sadly enough, because yeah. I'm, I'm going to miss Geralt. Well, it is, what, nine months later? Yeah. Well, um, when did, yeah, it came out in May. A year later. It was a year ago. Fair enough. Yeah. They took their time to a DLC for this game. Yeah, well, what, they say like 90 quests, and that's not even counting like, you know, the treasure hunt stuff. And, They're like, the saying side 30 that... hours. Yeah. This DLC, you can milk it for 30 hours. Yeah. That's insane. That's not, DLC, brother. pretty good for 15 bucks. Yeah, man. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what... You should expect from DLC. Well, I mean, CD Projekt Red does 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 DLC like nobody else. I mean, sixteen pieces of free DLC out of the gate. Uh, you know, you, you know, was it like fifteen each? It's like twenty five bucks for the season pass for both. You know, Hearts of Stone itself was like twenty hours. It was if you yeah. did everything. You know, yeah. and and the story was arguably better than the main game. I would agree with that. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's these guys are crazy. They're crazy. They are crazy. Well, they're reaping the rewards from being yeah. crazy. Well, I mean, they're like the naughty dogs of like narrative content of at this Eastern point. Eastern Europe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pride, of, pride of Poland. Yeah, they should be. Well deserved. Like, they're national heroes over there, as I understand. For real? Yeah. Well, I mean, The Witcher was a big book series right. there to begin with, and they took that and turned it into this like internationally acclaimed thing. Like, like, they're mentioned in like, you know, little lists of like, you know, like Polish, like, People to watch, or, you know, like we you know, kind of like our man of the year stuff or whatever yeah. that kind of thing. But like they're all, like those guys are always mentioned as like you know and the best you know the game developer that brings pride to Poland or whatever kind of. Thing. And yeah, they do. <laughs> they should because yeah. like these those guys are some of the best around. And plus, on top of that, they do GOG. So, what are you most excited about for this expansion, Matt? Uh, I'm most excited about the fact that it takes place somewhere else. Yeah, uh, that brand it's in, new territory. It's in this kind of like vineyard-heavy sort of fantasy Italy place and like it's so bright and colorful and it's like it, it really looks like a different game yeah it doesn't almost. look like the, the previous game at all um and i also enjoy a lot of the stuff i've seen so far where Geralt looks like he's kind of having a good time you know yeah. <laughs> so it's like i i like it when he's Geralt, lost the scowl. Oh, Geralt gets drunk and sloppy you know yeah. that's, when, that's when the fun <laughs> stuff happens so i'm looking forward to uh i'm looking forward to just spending more time with that character frankly a lot of time 30 yeah. hours yeah and seeing like some of the new armor and some of the new weapons like uh it's, you know, like it's my favorite game. Not just last year, but probably the last like four years. So I'll play more of it as much as you want to get. I, I got to do something until No Man's Sky comes out. Do you think that people are going to still be engaged this far along? I, I think so. I mean, maybe not people that didn't like it. You know, well, like, sure. But I'm saying, like, do you think the same amount of people that bought the last significant chunk of DLC will buy this? Yeah, I think for the most part, people who bought that bought a season pass. Oh, you're right. So you're I think right. they're going to probably come back and play what they paid for. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's going it, to be a tough time of year, though. The only disappointment for me right now is I was hoping this one would have a physical release with the other two Gwent decks. Right, right. And it doesn't seem like they're doing that. Coming out um, May 29th, is that right? That was 30th. 30th? Uh, End of the month. It's in there. It's the, those last few, day, Pre- few days. Pre E3. Yeah. So to speak. And the pre- previously, I think we saw like a quick leak that hinted June 7th, but I'm I'm glad it's a week earlier. I mean, yeah. Earlier is good. I would hope it would be done by now. Anyway. What is the plot behind this DLC? Do you I know? don't know. I haven't really been... I've been kind of keeping isolated on that a little bit because I just don't want to know more than I have to, I guess. Because you know you're going to play it anyway. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't seem like a stretch to say there's vampires. 
involved. Yeah. Like, is the you know, like the 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 main key art is like him in the throne with like kind of the blood right. creature hanging up. I, I'm blood and wine to me says like you're gonna go. And there's hints. There's also hints in the main game. The, the you know the original main game talking in the glossary and the bestiary and stuff about how dangerous and uh, high vampires are because like most of the vampires in the Witcher are like giant bat monsters, right? But like the high vampires are the one, and you do run into one in the main game. But like, um, there's like just this this thing where it's like, like don't mess with a high vampire unless you are like the best Witcher ever. Uber Witcher. And so yeah. like I would imagine that like Blood and Wine is gonna maybe deal, over, you know, in the overarching way. I'm, I imagine you're gonna run into some high vampire or high vampires that are like Dracula level kind of stuff, which I'm super on board with. Yeah, yeah. The game looks awesome. And I like that they've completely kind of changed the art style. It looks like they've completely really reworked the engine for this. Mm-hmm. Well, they reworked the engine and they reworked like how they render like the grass and the flowers and the foliage. And like one of the developers in an interview I read was saying like we're thinking about patching the main game and replacing all the vegetation with how we render it in this game because we think it looks so much better. And, and I'm it like... probably runs smoother too. Yeah, and I'm like, you, you guys! Like it's just like... <laughs> You guys, it's like they're, they're it's, that's the thing about you know CD Projekt is this they care so much yeah. about what their game is and how people, the experience people have with it. They're very, they're you know it takes them time to do stuff, but you know they're very responsive and very uh, conscientious. Do you know how much fans. this is going to cost separately? This DLC? Uh, I don't know because I have you know I already like have it. Fifteen. I think it's bucks. fifteen. Yeah. I think it's fifteen or like twenty-five for the whole, set, or maybe it's nineteen each and like. That's a lot. 20, well, let's I, go I can't for thirty remember. hours of gameplay. I can't. I bought the season pass like with the game, like so a I year ago. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> it was not a question for me, yeah, so yeah. I don't really know. But I'm, I'm. They're not crazy. It's not like you're not paying for a, you're not paying a sixty dollars season pass like Battlefront or something. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If we did a best DLC of twenty sixteen, I'm guessing this would probably end up being on the I hot think, list. Yeah, there's, and I mean, there's a reason I picked uh, this as my first uh, fantasy draft because I right. think I think this thing's gonna rip Metacritic apart. Yep, you're ripping my team apart right now. Well, <laughs> hang on. I'm, I lost two games too. I think Horizon Zero Dawn isn't gonna make it. I don't think Pokemon Go is gonna make it either. I was that was a dumb pick. I lost like half my team. <laughs> not even exaggerating. I've lost like half my Persona team. Persona Five still might make it. It's not making it. it you know that. You're just patronizing me, trying to make me feel bit. better. <laughs> I'm, pa- I'm patriotizing. No, that's even worse. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last topic of the big six. The other big, huge, monstrous reveal from the past week, Battlefield 1. The rumors ended up being 100% true, mm-hmm. set in World War I. Um, I think this looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Only because I never would have imagined that this is what World War I would be. Like, yeah, well, because there's never any kind of take on World War I. I mean, World War I is never seen as a super dramatic... Horses. Conflict, like you know? horses. Like I never dreamed. Oh, that, yeah. that green gas looks so awesome, by the way. <laughs> and the biplane. I mean, I call the biplane fights as being a highlight. Back, but the Zeppelin looks pretty awesome. Yeah. Too. And like they're doing a great job of making everyone in this. Like they're taking all these elements of like the uniforms and the technology of the time, and they're doing a really good job of making everyone in this trailer look like a complete badass. Oh, I know. Like, the ponchos being used like capes and the kind of, you know, using like the spiked grenade to just like hammer people down. And like, I mean, there's some great imagery in this That's what trailer. I'm saying. Their interpretation of World War One blows my mind. Like, yeah. I literally never dreamed this game would have this style. Mm-hmm. 
Because it is. It's very dramatized, almost yeah. like a superhero movie. Like, and Dice doesn't really do that. No, uh-uh. Like, they're very straightforward. right to yeah. the line, man. Like, it, it, it toes the line of realism in, like, the Red Baron. Like, mm-hmm. which is actually a real pilot. It's not like they made it up, but... Just the way that they stylize the trailer. And look, it could just be the trailer. I mean, who knows? Yeah, you don't know. But, like, but they did a bang-up job on that trailer, man. And it's a risk. Yeah. You know? And it looks like it's going to pay off. It's I mean, totally I don't know off. if you've noticed, but at least earlier, I don't know if it may have changed because the internet shifts gears rapidly. <laughs> but there was a, two hours. There was a point at which earlier this week that um, uh, the Battlefield 1 trailer was the most liked trailer period not game trailer yeah, trailer of anything ever on youtube yep. and the call of duty infinite warfare trailer was the most disliked trailer of it's all time it's still that way yeah and like it's in- it's a interesting in that like people are clearly using the likes and dislikes system to send a message they're weaponizing the likes and dislikes well, in this situation activision like just blew it off they're like oh we're glad our fans are passionate yeah like, okay i know what passionate well, to... i know what passionate means in entertainment <laughs> it's like seven out of ten on the hard to work with scale it's like know? dude don't try to act like you don't care that you got like four hundred thousand yeah. thumbs down and it's funny that like you know we're, we're kind of like looking sideways at that battlefield developer who's like oh isn't that cute and like quaint that the, the, the call of duty has all his like you know free cam shots and they're yeah. pretty they're 2010 graphics and like wait till friday when we make the internet melt and we're like oh okay bro like yeah. another battlefield it's like and we're like now he pretty much yeah they came <laughs> they came through on that one <laughs> This this trail I never thought World War One would be way more exciting than a trailer involving mechs and space fighters, but like yeah, I'm in. Here's the funny part: at the end of the day, all those fanboys who gave that trailer a thumbs down will buy. Oh, they're still going to day buy. one. They probably should get, got a pre-order. They're just pissed. And most of them will probably not buy Battlefield One. Mm. Like they'll buy COD just like they always do. They just had to be their little whiny bitchy selves and try to make a point, which I just don't know what the point was. It's not like. Well, a lot of it's just because they're, I guess people just wanted to buy that Modern Warfare 2 remaster separately. Is that really what it comes down that's to? That's what most of the people who are complaining about it are talking about, yeah. That's the most prevalent complaint I've seen. That's retarded. I hate you. I mean, there are a lot of people saying... Sometimes say, it just comes yeah. out of me. <laughs> like, I know when it, I see something that seems well, yeah. really stupid, it's a, it's my a, apologies for saying that, by the way. It's an ugly word, but the other problem with that word is, like, we need to come up with another word that says, like, so satisfying says the same thing, to say, yeah. you know? <laughs> Like, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a strange situation. It's because juvenile. I, I mean, I, yeah. There's a good word to use in this case. Juvenile. Yeah. yeah. And, but that's the internet. Yeah, that's the internet. But it's like, and so I have seen people that are kind of complaining that like, you know, there's a, there are people that are legitimately saying like, I don't want a Call of Duty in this weird sort of sci-fi situation. I want. It's been I come, there for the last It has been, years. but I can understand why someone would be sick of it. But you, know, yeah. you hope that it, at least one of them. You know, you've got th- basically three series running under yeah. one banner at this point between right. the three different developers. You'd hope at least one, one of, of them, them would hold to kind of the classic, you know, we're just going to do standard warfare in a modern or very recently modern or slightly forward modern, you know, situation. Well, that was kind of Black Ops 3, though. Yeah, I mean, Black o- but Black Ops 3 still had, you know, some robot-y stuff and yeah. some, that kind of thing, but like... But it was more boots on the yeah. boots on the ground has become like the catchphrase the catch of the week. For like the realistic <laughs> minute. But you know, I mean, Black Ops Three also sold real well. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, people are speaking with the wallet on that, and we'll see how Infinite Warfare. Yeah, does. Advanced Warfare sold well too. It did. But and then there's you know the contingent of informed fans who are aware that the thing that they're being sold here 
is the next game by the people who made Ghosts. Yeah. And now I they mean, have look, to. They it have does to, go to outer space. It does, <laughs> but there's something. You know, I under. I, it's going the wrong direction. I think. I mean, it's, look. I I'll admit, I pre-ordered it. Which the, one? Uh, Infinite Warfare. Oh, okay. And I will also pre-order Battlefield One, but I order, because I want the Modern Warfare remaster. And yeah. like, if you if you have space fighters, I'm gonna play it. Like yeah. that's basically how it's go, gonna go. Um, and I'm not saying I'm gonna be a cheerleader for that game, but I understand why someone would be like, "Hey, like you're kind of hoodwinking me into buying Ghosts Two, yeah, just to play this remaster of a game I really also want to play." And I understand that anger. I can't understand why people want to play the remaster so badly. Because people love that game. But it's like backwards compatible on Xbox One, or it will be. But like... this one looks good. I don't know. It's I think it's. I think the old one still. That's looks why I don't good. believe that. That's really what people are pissed off about. Like I think that people really are pissed off that uh, the direction that they perceive the game to be going. There are like, some, but I've seen a lot more people complaining that they just want the, mon- the the remaster and they're being forced to buy this eighty dollar package for it. All right, well, let's go back to Battlefield One because we did talk about Call of Duty last week. Mm. Here's my big concern about Battlefield One. They said a big part of the game is up close and personal combat. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. Sync issues. Uh, that, I just honestly have not played many video games with first-person hand-to-hand combat that felt good. Mm-hmm. It's usually just like, it's fine for just like an insta-kill melee or a knife stab. Like, it works great then. But when you get to a place where you're like swinging a shovel and the other person's swinging a shot, it just gets like really messy really quickly. And then when you start talking about doing it in a multiplayer, it gets really messy really quickly. And so that to me is like the big concern. Is it like if they, if they're in, look, trench warfare, that's the way it was. Some dude comes down in the trench, you pick up the shovel and you try to chop his head off with it. Like, I like the immediacy of it, but I just worry that the mechanics of it are never going to work. Because I Mm -hmm. honestly cannot remember a single first person action game where I enjoyed the melee combat. I can think of one. Uh, Dark Messiah of Might and Magic. Okay. That's it. I no, haven't played that. No one remembers that one. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was a Might and Magic first-person action game, and, like, you had a sword, and you could... It was a very satisfying melee combat, uh, although, really, it ended up, in the end, you pretty much ended up just kicking people off cliffs. Like, your, your, <laughs> your kick didn't You do take, a lot of that in Uncharted 4. Yeah, well, this one, like, you had a specific kick button, and you... you the kick didn't use stamina... So, like, you could just boot someone, like, down a path and off a cliff if you wanted to. Um, and there were, you know, if you wanted to be boring and cheesy, you could just kick everybody to death. Right. Really. But the more satisfying thing was to use your sword. And, like, you could, like, cl- it was, like, parries and, and clashes and stab a guy through the face. And that kind of, it was, it was very satisfying for the time. I haven't played it in, like, eight years. So maybe yeah. it sucks now. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you might go but back. When I, but when I think, when someone says, there's never been... Satisfying first-person melee combat. I'm like, well, there was this there one was this game one. <laughs> once, years ago, that might suck now, but at the time, it was amazing. Yeah, and you know, the other part too is that like the weapons. I mean, I don't know that I want to go back to use a bolt action oh, okay. rifle. Okay, like uh, Nolan Elric says, the Dark Messiah. The people who made that went on to make Dishonored. Hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I, now that I think about that, I can see that. That kind of makes I can sense. See that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's it's there. The same kind of visceral sort of. Uh, sword to the neck kind of game. But even in that game, I didn't think it was amazing. I thought it was okay. No. You gotta, you gotta start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, it's okay if it's just little parts of the game, but if right. it becomes like a huge part element of it, like well, I'm hoping I mean, that's what they've been pumping it up. I'm as. just hoping there's a little more ebb and flow to this one because one of the things I miss about the old battlefields is how you used to have like you know we talked about this before, but it was like you know there were some of the multiplayer maps were just like you know you start here, you start here, invade. You yeah. know, like it was a little more. It wasn't just two teams like rotating around a map capturing points. It was like there were there was a, a battle line. There was a there was a side and a side and a clash kind of thing. And I'm kind of hoping something like that is in this game. And one of the things they're talking about with up close and personal is that like they're kind of, you know you have to kind of do an equivalent of the whole going over the top thing. And those ba- you know those glory charges inevitably ended up in like horribly horrible dirty vicious trench warfare hand to hand with knives and bayonets and shovels and boots and mustard Whatever gas. Whatever else you can get. So yeah. so like if it's if they're talking about like you know there's going to be like bursts of that where like suddenly everybody's on top of each other and it's like you know you just have to brutally like fight it out Brawls, with mu- yeah. with melee. Like I'm, I'm I think that's a cool thing. Like, I I'm I'm hoping it's some they're meaning something like that as opposed to like. You're gonna be like running around like knifing people constantly because like that's not fun. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, you know, uh, not to disparage dice, but their mechanics can kind of run the spectrum. Yeah. You know that's, what I mean? That's fair. Um, <laughs> that might be more than fair. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm hoping we get Bad Company two dice more than you know Battlefield 1943 dice. Maybe, yeah. Or, or Battlefield. I'll say one thing. You're seeing it right now. Like before they unveiled the Battlefield One on a live stream, they did like two hours of conversation with Dice and other developers mm-hmm. about the OG Battlefield games. Uh, my favorite Battlefield game is probably Battlefield Two. At least that's the one that I've played the most. Oh, I remember as... that you were, you were you. It was a bit of a disease. Yeah, I was really hopelessly addicted to that game for a really re- probably a lot longer than I should have been, sadly, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> I think that was before I really got hooked on Call of Duty. Yeah, it was like the I'm one of the rare people who went from playing Battlefield first to being hooked on Call of Duty. Usually it goes like in reverse, but... Well, I think uh, my favorite is still 1942. Yeah. Uh, I still remember seeing that at Camp, Camp EA that yeah. year. And it was like, they had it set up at like four computers in the, in the cafeteria or something. Yeah. It wasn't even a thing you were supposed to stop and look at, really. Yeah. They just set it up there to show people because they, DICE had it there. And, like, I remember everybody came in for lunch, and everyone walked away from lunch, and, like, there were just lines, like, ten people deep to play Waiting Battle Planet 4, too. And all the EA PR people were like, why is everyone so into this game? I and, knew we shouldn't have had this and out like, here. And, and I remember Adam... <laughs> you need to be looking at Madden. <laughs> Adam Sessler, like, I think said to one of his... It's like, this is the most exciting thing I've seen in, like, two years. <laughs> and get, like, the fact that you can get in a Jeep and drive over here, and this guy's, like, strafing you with a plane, and... There's oh my god! There's a guy in a, in a tank, and I jump out and I throw a sticky bomb on the tank, and now like we can get it. Like, nothing like that had ever been. I mean, we thought about stuff like that, but you'd never seen it pulled off before. And it was, and now you play, and it's super janky and weird. Yeah. But that Wake Island demo, I played that more than just about any other multiplayer shooter I've ever played. You want to know what really excites me about Battlefield One? All of us getting on horses with swords <laughs> and going to war. Think mm. about that. Like, when have you done that in a multiplayer game? Um, Mountain Blade. Yeah, exactly. When have you done that? <laughs> Mountain Blade's really good. It is, but I'm guessing <laughs> less than 2% of the people watching this have ever played the game, sadly. Maybe. Like most Don't pe- let me down, chat. You know Mountain Blade. <laughs> I know you know Mountain Blade. A lot of you are European. I know you know Mountain Blade. <laughs> 
But that's what I'm saying. Like, if for a lot of people, it is going to be this brand new. Yeah. And it, look, for me even, like, I didn't play Mountain Blade all that much. Like, if, far less a, a crazy polished version of it, which is what we're going to get with Battlefield 1. Mm. Like, no, Mountain Blade doesn't have the highest level of polish. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, a yeah. pretty janky game. Like, that's what I'm saying. Playing, like, a big budget, what some people call AAA game. I hate to use that word because you're denoting its quality before you ever evaluate mm-hmm. it. So I always call it big budget. But a big budget game with horses and swords, like, going against people with guns, I don't know how that works out, hmm. but, like, it just seems insane. If it's what you got, it's what you got. I mean, it really does seem insane. Like World War II, World War One was like that. It was, but, like... That's the thing about World War One, and I wonder how, how much of that they're going to get into, is, like, the fact that... Part of World War II, see, look at them back me up on the Mountain Blade thing. Look at that. Um, I wonder if they're going to get into the idea, the fact that, like, one of the things about World War I, it was the first mechanized modern war where, like, the people were still using, like, cavalry tactics against tanks. Yeah, and, like, it's and, like, insane. You know, you finally like, we had... walking up to tanks and putting, like, grenades yeah. in their treads. Like, like, finally had, like, the technology to, like, kill people on a really mechanical level, like yeah. a mass production scale, yeah. and we were still using the kind of expendable peasant idea yeah. of warfare, and it was just not functional. And, like, that's what's interesting... I just wonder if that's really going to throw cogs in the machine, man. I like, don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know where they're going with this. If pull it off, like, I'll be really surprised. You know, like, like I said, it's a risk. It's, you know, if they pull it off, they'll be lauded, I think. I feel heroes. like a lot of the parts of the game are going to have to be, like, cordoned off into, like, their own things. Like, like I feel modes like, and Like, stuff. I feel like there's no way they're going to let you, like, me and you and four friends get on horses with swords and fight a team that has tanks and, like, artillery. Like, I don't know. I don't I mean, know how you can make that work. If the horse is fast. Yeah, real and the, fast. And the tanks aren't, <laughs> you know, the tanks were not... Tremendously, you know, they didn't have the giant, you know, ca- cannons yeah, on them. They, yeah. they were basically machine guns mounted on treads. Right. And, you know, it, it, you're dealing with really primitive technology in some ways that just happen to be still very good at chewing people up. That's what I'm saying. I'm right? most interested in how they're going to incorporate like, chemical warfare into it because that's the most terrifying thing about World War One. That could also be something that gets a lot of like feed, like brushback yeah. from like mainstream media. Like we already saw like an editorial some editor wrote this week and we curated it to sift it if you want to find it but it's basically an editorial saying how you know world war one could a game based on world war one would glorify war and because i I doubt it i don't think that's the angle the swedish developer company the neutral country is going to take (laughs) on on war it's like yeah we didn't fight in any of these but like we're sure awesome like no sweden doesn't roll that way i mean here's the thing first of all war is hell like they all sucked. They suck. Yeah. People die in horrible, gruesome ways, alone, with no one there to console mm. them. Like, that's war. Like, I, like, think I don't understand the kind I of... I hope it is realistic. I think it will be. I hope it does open the eyes to a lot of people who maybe have a grandfather or a great-grandfather who fought in this war, and you'll appreciate what these people did. Like, our warfare now is like... Drone. It's like video games. Yeah. It's like we have dudes sitting in a control center with a joystick as a drone flies over. Like things are different now, and a lot of the younger people probably not of like super a lot of super dramatic like motion pictures and and games going to be made a hundred years from now about like our um, wars now. Like, yeah, not... like us fighting like ISIS or whatever. Right. Like our drones just dropping bombs. Like, but a lot of younger people today don't realize like what it was like for. I mean. This is the thing that, like, established, like, our democracy Mm -hmm. and gave us freedom. Like, 
I feel like people need to see it. Like, well, and also, and it's like, not just America. It's all of Europe. Like, everybody did this. And a like, lot of people don't know World War One. They don't, you know, it's just sort of like World War One's like that war that came before World the War Two. The little II. brother of World War Two. Yeah. Like, but, you know, there's a lot of historians that think, like, you know, two, three hundred years from now, people are just, you know, historians might end up considering World War One or World War Two one war. Right. Because, because as World time war... goes on, they just start yeah. to... It was really, you know, the, the period between one, World War One and World War Two was really just sort of a lull. lull. You yeah, know, and, right. like, everything that, ha- that led to World War Two comes directly out of how horribly the Allies wrapped things up in the You're Treaty right. of Versailles. Yeah. And... There's a lot of fertile ground there to kind of, and especially in the sense of like, there's a lot of stuff that they're going to see in this game that I think eventually you're going to be like, oh no, that was a real thing. I mean, it's obviously over dramatized. That's a real thing. You're, I don't think a lot of people's grandfathers were jumping around in, the, in a cape poncho and hammering right, Germans right. down with spiked grenades, but like. Uh, I'm just thinking more of like the brutality of a, it, yeah. the primitive nature of it. It was a it was a vicious war, and it was not a glorified war, and it was no. it was not a it was not a. As they say about World War II, it was not a good war. Because yeah. no one really knew what they were... It was sort of the last vestige of that, you know, all those wars fought in Europe over random territory between, like, nobility and royal percentages that were fought out by, basically, the peasants. You know, it was like... It was... it was For a long time, That it's that Game of Thrones thing. It's that sort of, like, a bunch of, you know... You know, a bunch of people, elites in charge, sort of, like, playing chess with each other across Europe's various sketchy kingdom lines basically and this was a very much one of those sort of like we all sort of hate each other and we don't really get along and we're going to have another one of these wars oh my god look how many people we killed you know it was was like wow we can't just like you know this that tell you roosevelt quote like this can't be diplomacy anymore that was world war one was the the war that taught us that basically yeah the war to end all wars they called it yeah i hope dice goes all in and does it i think i hope they don't pull punches like look this could be like sadly like the best history lesson a lot of people who play this game get on World War One. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something about a video game that can make curiosity. an impact versus reading a book or even seeing like old grainy black and white footage on the History Channel. Like, mm-hmm. seeing it in vivid HD right there, like it, it could make a huge impact and change a lot of people's perspectives on our country or whatever country they live in their mm-hmm. ancestors like i hope they do lean on a kind of a historical angle to some degree you know at least like have a glossary sure or something or play like, a little fast and loose with it but yeah but i mean in the same way that like you know call of duty 2 was a pretty good starting point right if it interested if, you know if you were interested in like all these little battles in the you know, scenes in like you know the various levels of call of duty 2 or even the the maps you played on in battlefield 1942 like that's a pretty good starting point it's like you know i even did that when i you know i'm i wasn't incredibly well-versed when 1942 came out. I was not incredibly well-versed in the Eastern Front. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the Battle of Kursk? Yeah. Like, I don't know that as anything except the multiplayer map. It can be like a fire starter. Like and I looked it up and like, yeah. The flame. yeah. You, 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 know, you learn a lot from me. That. And then like the funny thing then is... Then you watch the History Channel. Then you watch the History Channel. <laughs> well, at the time, the History Channel was basically all just the Hitler Channel. Right, it, uh, it was. <laughs> the younger viewers may not recall a time when that, the History Channel used to be all about Hitler. Now it's all about aliens. Well, yeah, they may not recall the fact the time when the History Channel was about history. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now it's about aliens and Jesus for Anything the Anything that people will watch, yeah. Um, but it's... And the other fun thing about learning that, that stuff is, like, then... Okay, here's this battle I didn't know anything about. I learned about that battle. Now I understand why that map's made the way it is. Right, <laughs> it's right, like, they, yeah. you know, they, they yeah, always... Reverse had, osmosis. Yeah, DICE yeah. always has a reason for starting, like, the Russians here and the Germans here. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, this is in microcosm yeah. how that battle was fought out. Yeah. And, like, they, they, it, it, that's the kind of stuff I miss from, from the old Battlefield games is, like... 
things that weren't necessarily beholden to kind of the conventional wisdom of how shooter maps should be designed yep. and stuff is like we're going to take this historical idea and we're going to try to emulate it in this multiplayer battle yep so we've only seen like the first trailer and we yeah. already had a great discussion on this game i'm sure around e3 when we start seeing more from it we're going to talk about it again um, I like that we're having this discussion on this game. Uh, I think it definitely shows that there's something to the setting for Battlefield 1 mm -hmm. versus Infinite Warfare. Or thought, we also a thought, lot of other shooters. Yeah. Who would have thought that We're game... excited about Battlefield. Yeah, that's great. That's really good to see. Because we talked about Hardline. It would launch right yeah. around the time when Sifted and Game Face launched. And it was hard for Marcus and I to gather up much motivation to mm -hmm. talk about it. Because it was just like, whatever. It's like thugs with Uzis driving around in... Like shooter yeah. cars, it was like just payday. Yeah, basically, it was. Yeah, so really excited for that game. Hopefully, you guys feel the same way. I don't think the, the hate on uh, Call of Duty is really all that justified, but uh, I think that'll cool off eventually. Yeah, I think that's just that whole po us against them thing, polarization. Like everyone feels like they have to pick sides. They can't just be like, right. I like this and I like this too. It's okay to like more than one thing. It is. It really is. I'm not, that doesn't stop dice from probably giggling all. Oh, week, of course yeah. not. They're eating it up, man. They're loving it. <laughs> All right, it's time to move on to our trailer of the week. And for the first time ever, it's not for a video game. Hmm. I'll give you one guess what it is for. Well, I don't have to guess. It's right here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was talking to the audience. Well, you're looking at me. It was a dramatic pause. Well, I have to look away. I can't just stare into the camera. It'll scare the audience. They'll be like, Shane's insane. So our trailer of the week this week, now I don't know which camera to look at. Our trailer of the week this week is for a movie Based on a video game, it just came out late last night. A really odd time to release mm. a first trailer for a movie. This is the trailer for Assassin's Creed, the movie. And it, I have to say, it looks like, of course that doesn't mean much, it could be maybe the first decent movie based on a video game. Well, that already happened. What was that? That was Mortal Kombat. Oh, come on now. Come on now. As usual, get your questions into the chat while we're watching the trailer. I think this looks pretty good. It looks like Assassin's Creed. I've seen other trailers for video game movies that looked like they might be kind of good, and they sucked. So don't hold me to that. I will say that early, uh, early impressions from screenings of Warcraft is that it's decent. Wow. That's encouraging. It's still going to bomb, but, it's, <laughs> but it sounds like it might actually be okay. Wow. Worth, uh, worth, worth it for us to actually go and see it, is what you're saying. And we'll be like the eight people in the theater. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, if you don't want to see Now You See Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some competition that weekend. All right. So here it is, the debut trailer for Assassin's Creed, the movie. Where am I? At 6 p.m. yesterday evening, you were executed. And pronounced dead. You no longer exist. What kind of prison is this? It's not a prison. You're about to enter the Animus. What you're about to see, hear, and feel are the memories of your ancestor, who has been dead for 500 years. What do you want from me? Your past. Welcome to the Spanish Inquisition. I am God, even though I'm a man of God. My whole life in the hand of God. So Y'all better quit playing with God.
So, slight tweak to the animus there. A little bit. Animus <laughs> is a little more, um, I don't know, it looks like something out of like City of Lost Children. It's yeah. like really kind of creepy and matrixy. I feel like they have the tone right, though. At least in the yeah. trailer they do. Um, tone's good. Uh, I don't care for the Kanye West song. I don't know what I don't care for Kanye there. West, period. I just think it's... I actually kind of like that actual song, but I'm just like, in context of that trailer, it's just like, what? Okay, if that's what you think will sell it to the kids. But it looks pretty good. It's just too bad. It's going to get... It comes out the week after Star Wars. It's going to get buried. Hell yeah. But... It does look... Like, I don't really care if it's successful or no, not. No, <laughs> I mean, it looks it looks like Assassin's Creed. I'll watch Fastbender in just about anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, someone says, uh, Han, Han Loblo, I was one of six people in Ongbok. Well, that's just stupidity, because hmm. Ongbok is all that in ten bags of chips. Yeah. That's just everyone else's uh, loss on that. Yeah, one. let's not pretend that huge box office is uh, a mark of quality. Yeah, yeah, I'd never, I would never say Transformers that. movies make a billion dollars. <laughs> there on. you go. Uh, Nolan Elric, either of you guys playing Doom yet? I need to go ahead to pull the trigger and buy it. I'm assuming while I was sitting here, I got a download code for Doom. At least I would, well, within the next 23 minutes I should get one. Otherwise, Bethesda is giving out review code after it's available at retail. So, I'm assuming I probably have, like, in my email a code right now, but I have not played it. So we can't help you, man, unfortunately. Um, it's like we said earlier, Mm. like, it sucks. (laughs) Like... We got nothing. Yeah. Nobody does. Like, that's just mm-hmm. the way they're doing it, so... Hold, just hold on and see, I guess, you know. Um, here's one from Surf Spider. If Naughty Dog can deliver superb game after game and do their franchises justice, why the hell can't Valve do a Half-Life 3? <laughs> Valve is too busy counting money, I guess. Yeah. I don't... Naughty, yeah, that's the thing. Like, Naughty Dog has to make games to survive as a company that's all it has it mm-hmm. it makes video games it's a video game developer valve has so many other revenue streams it literally the only motivation valve has to ever make another video game is to please fans mm-hmm. but it doesn't even need to do that because people use its service whether they're fans of valve or not because it is the leading marketplace for pc games online so it has no incentive. Yeah, there's no reason. Like, if Valve ever does show Half-Life 3, the reason it's showing Half-Life 3 is purely because of people like you. Like, there's no other reason for them to do it. Mm-hmm. They've already demonstrated that they don't care enough personally to do it. Yeah. You'd or have it would have been done. You'd have to start losing people from Steam for some reason. There would have to be some kind of crazy revolt, like all the thumbs down for the new Call of Duty trailer. <laughs> like, literally... You'd have to organize some kind of a protest where, like, 80% of the PC gamers going to Steam, like, got together overnight and just quit buying stuff from Steam, like, overnight. Mm-hmm. And and then made a declarative statement of, we're not buying from Steam again until you show us the first gameplay of Half-Life 3. That is probably the only thing that will ever guarantee that Half-Life 3 is shown. And that's about as likely as... Very unlikely. Any, I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't think like... of anything compare, to compare that to. That's about as likely as very unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> yep. As likely as an M-rated Zelda game. Yeah, exactly. I really don't think we're ever going to see Half-Life 3. And if we really do, don't. it's not going to be good enough. 
And if we do, it'll it never be good it enough. It won't be. It'll never live up to the expectations. And I also would say that it probably would not be developed by Valve. It would probably yeah. be done out of house by some developer that they decided that they trusted. Naughty Dog, not a bad choice. And if I remember correctly, didn't Naughty Dog tweet at Valve saying, hey, bro, like if you want to give up that Half-Life license, we'll tackle it for yeah, you? Yeah, there was something like that. Or at least some Naughty Dog person said, yeah. hey. That's the chance? How awesome would it be? If Naughty Dog's new game after Last of Us 2 is Half-Life 3. I would be a hell of a lot happier playing that than I was playing Uncharted 4. I'll tell you that much. Guarantee. Half-Life 3? Yeah, hell yeah. Half-Life 3 created by Naughty Dog. I'd much rather play that than play Uncharted 4. Hmm. You wouldn't. I don't know. I mean... (laughs) Lots of hypotheticals in there. I don't really care about Half-Life anymore. Really? I still do. Like, is Gordon still going to be quiet the whole time? Because that's dumb. (laughs) Zelda, or Link is still quiet. Yeah, well. (laughs) That's a problem, too. Uh, let's see. W. Matthew, why would you ever make a game? It's too much of a risk. Pretty much, man. Mm-hmm. Even indie games now, the market's so saturated, like, for fun. That's the only reason you would make a game now. <laughs> yeah, or if, like, there's someone in Valve that, like, just decided, like, that was his personal mission yeah. to get Half-Life 3 made. Because there's a lot of, apparently in Valve, there's a lot of, like, you can just choose what to work on. Yeah, it most, is. And That's most people tend to choose to work on, like, Steam stuff, yeah. I guess. Because it's the more, you know, it's the more public-facing thing, and, like, at least you know that probably whatever you're doing on Steam is going to like see the light of day one day. Yeah. As opposed to like you get the impression. I wonder how many. I wonder how many like pitches and rough drafts of like Half Life Three have gone like into the bin over there. You know, like there people people must pitch an idea for Half Life Three like twice twice a week, but nothing's ever going to be good enough at this point. Here's one from Dar. Taurus. Shane, are there any plans to be more transparent with Sifted's finances and specific goals? I feel that if there's a, if there is a financial target goal for a specific future content and we could see how close or far we are from achieving it, it would incentivize more support. For example, seeing the Easy Allies goals and benchmarks made the path clear and gave us a stake. Your thoughts? Um, so basically you're just saying like set up a Patreon with clear goals or even like a Kickstarter really. Um, probably not. Uh, we would have to build that all by hand. Um, yeah, I don't see that ever happening. Mm. Um, I can see where you're coming from. I guess what the way I look at it is like needing clear a clear pathway means, I guess in some ways I would look at it like you don't trust that we would do the right things with the money. The other part of it, too, is that, you know, sometimes when you have ideas, you don't want to share them with other people. I think it's a little easy for Easy Allies because they were just like, we're going to do a podcast. We're going to do reviews. But, we, you know, our mantra at Sifted has been we do things differently or we don't do them at all. And we have kind of held to that this whole time. And I think that's why people like Game Face. I think that's why people like shows like Platinum Journey. Um, I think that's why people who are subscribers to Sifted like Sifted as a website, because it's different. And uh, I feel like if we were to put it out there, okay, well, here's this new show that we want to do, and here's what the show is going to be and how it's going to work. You know, there's big boys out there like IGN and GameSpot who would snap up those ideas. I mean, they've done it before. If you look at all IGN's original content right now, where did it all come from? It came from game trailers. And, you know, 
they're pretty shameless in taking content ideas and running with it. So, you know, I don't know that that model would work for us. If we were just a generic, like, outlet just creating, like, the same stuff everybody else does, and, look, I'm not banging on any site that does that. It works for some sites. And, you know, sites that are driven by ad revenue and have a big audience, it works for them. It would never work for us, unfortunately. Us doing the same thing that everybody else does, we wouldn't be coming up on the one-year anniversary of Sifted right now. So... I would say it's pretty doubtful. I would just say, trust me that I know what I'm doing. You know, I've been creating content that you guys love for like 20 years. Like all those shows from GT, where did they come from? You're, you're looking at them. So I don't know. I guess I would just ask for more trust, I guess mm. is the best way to put it. And trust that whatever money you give us, we're going to be really smart with it. And we're going to give you something different, but something that's still high quality. So... Uh, Short Raver asks, what do you think about the recent EA Star Wars announcements beyond Battlefront 2, like Visceral's game coming in 2018 now? Uh, I don't know about now, because I think it was always going to come in 2018. That, that game was always way, way out. Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard, really seen anything no, from that game. Nothing. I mean, I, that doesn't, I mean, 2018 almost seems a little optimistic to me, because we yeah. still haven't seen anything. Um, the fact that Battlefront 2 is coming that fast is more surprising than anything else. The fact that... They want to put out a Star Wars game every year for like a, the next, you know four years or so is not surprising to me whatsoever because it's like once it's you when you have smart. that yeah I mean, when you, you have that, that license, license like, like fucking get it out yeah. like do it yeah I just I just hope they're good and I, I I would hope that they don't waste because Disney clearly doesn't have any patience with the game space so I would imagine EA knows they have to deliver yep. Mm. Here's one. Oh, as soon as I had it. Oh, here we go. Vox91, how many of the games from Ubisoft's current fiscal calendar do you think will actually come out by 2017 of next year? I think he means Q1 of 2017. Mm. So they're saying Watch Dogs, For Honor, Ghost Recon Wildlands, a brand new IP mm-hmm. that's unannounced. It's going to be shown at E3, and I think that's it. All by the end of fiscal? Yeah. Maybe? No, I think he's saying which. Oh, which one? Yeah. Or how many? Yeah. I thought they said all of those were within the fiscal. Right. But he said, but he's saying realistically, how many oh. of those do you think are going to make it out by March 31st of 2017? Um, I think we'll get Watch Dogs 2 For Honor and the new IP. I think Ghost Recon will slip. They continually have trouble with those games. I would say two. Yeah. I would say Watch Dogs 2, because we know that's coming this year mm-hmm. because they don't have a they don't have Creed and they need something for that right. quarter. Um, I don't I agree with Wildlands. I think Wildlands, really ambitious game by a team who's never really made a game like that before, and the new IP. Mm-hmm. I think those are the two that don't make it out. Mm-hmm. So I would say half. And you think three out of four. I think four honor and um I think For Honor will end up in the Far Cry spot, like in the in Q1. Yeah. You know, and I maybe the new IP makes it out in the Division spot next year. Yeah, see, I'm thinking, yeah. I, I don't see the Division making it out. Or Division, the new IP mm-hmm. making it out. Like, to not announce it at all, unless it's like a really simple, like, game. Because mm-hmm. that could happen. Like, it could be just like another Rabbids game or something like that. And if that's the case, it'll, yeah. it'll make it. If it's a big budget, not AAA, because I refuse to say that. If it's a big budget game, I, I would be really surprised if it's announced at E3 and then comes out mm. like eight or nine months later. So we'll see, but that's my guess. Hmm. 
What about South Park? Why did you stop supporting Easy Allies? I didn't stop supporting Easy Allies. I think they're talking about somebody else that said they did. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, we haven't heard anything about the South Park game that Ubisoft's making. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. We'll see it at E3, though. Yeah. Um, oh, here's another one from Vox. Where the blank is the new Platinum Journey at? I got it today. <laughs> it showed up in the inbox literally as I was walking out the door to come to the studio today. It is in my inbox. It has not gone through any rounds of revision yet. It could be perfect, and it could be up, like, tonight. It could maybe need a couple changes, and which means it probably would be up tomorrow, but it is in my inbox. The file is there. Poor Adam. Like, the guy who does that show, I can just tell. Um, it and, just, that episode and, just whooped his butt. And this is, this is Arkham City? Yeah. 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 That's a I hard think he regret. I think we're not going to let people choose the games anymore. I mean, this was supposed to be three weeks. It's been, like, almost three months, I think, mm-hmm. since the last episode. So... I think we're going to be a little smarter with what games he picks. Like, yeah. we don't want him to be a walk in the park because then the, some of the tension is lost out of the show. But we can't become like a three-month, like, gauntlet right. for him to go through either. Next up, Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. So I know in prior episodes we kind of let you guys pick what the next one would be. I think instead of, like, giving options and letting you guys pick from them, we're just going to open a thread and just let you guys throw games out there, and then I'll pick one of them. I also don't like the fact that everybody kind of knows what the next episode is. It kind of ruins some of the mystery from it. So, yeah, we're going to change how we select the next episode going forward, if only for Adam's sanity. Because mm-hmm. I think he's probably at the end of his rope, and I want yeah. him to keep making the show. So. And I'd like to see more of them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, And I would like to see them more frequently, as everybody would. So, But, yes... Funny that they mentioned that. It is in my inbox right now. So hopefully with a code for Doom. They're hanging out right now having cocktails. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Did you find any other ones? Um, not, nothing jumps out at me, really. Okay. Well, here's one from Rewind Play Labs. What are you excited to play at E3 this year? Also, I'll be at E3. If I see you, can I get a handshake? Hell yeah, you can get a hug if you're okay with that. Definitely. Pictures, whatever, man. Hmm. If you're a Sifted subscriber, I'll do whatever. It's all good. I, in fact, I'll do whatever for anybody. Like, even if you're just watching the stream and you run into me at E3, come right up. Like, don't even think twice. Come up and say hi. You won't do whatever. I mean, <laughs> it depends on how much you contribute to Sifted Elite. <laughs> e- E3 gets crazy <laughs> late at night, but let's... Uh, I'm kidding. Uh... All right, so I think that is it. Oh, what games are we want to play at E3? I know what your answer is. What is well, actually, answer? I don't. I don't care about playing No Man's Sky at E3 because yeah. it's not my game. Yeah. Um, That's what I was going to say. I don't know. I mean, I guess I want to play Zelda. Zelda, yeah. Um, we may not have to play it, though, if they're going to yeah, do a 12-hour live 12 hour stream. stream. <laughs> Here's the thing, I don't really play a whole lot on the floor anymore. You know, I play it at the events before it. Like, but don't you, like, go and pick and choose a couple games to play on the floor, like, as you walk around? Like, it's usually Nintendo games, because they're the ones you can't get your hands on until yeah, they show. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo games are kind of pretty... I mean, that's what... The main thing I probably played, or at least the game I waited around to play, was Star Fox last year, because that's the only time you're going to get your hands on it. But it's like... I don't know. 
I feel like the press conferences cover enough for me. And like sometimes I like to play some of the Sony exclusive stuff, but usually that's very hard to get into and I run out of motivation by the time like Thursday rolls around. Um, I don't know. I, I rarely have games that are like tar I target in that regard. It's more like I walk around the floor and see what's there. And if something strikes me, I'm like, oh, I want to see what that is. Yeah. Kind of thing. So that's probably... But, but I think in terms of like the game I'm going to try to beeline for when the floor opens or the first time I get to the floor... It's probably going to be Zelda. Yeah, it's me too, because with Nintendo, you won't play it before that, and you won't play it after that. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of these other publishers have big events, or frequent events, or public events, or whatever, where you can go mm -hmm. and play games, or they send you, like, I mean, the Nintendo, preview code. Nintendo does go to a lot of, like, conventions, fan conventions. I mean, they were at WonderCon with pretty much everything. Right, but it's, like, the same demo that they right, had. Right, it's the same. Like, it's going to be the every, same thing. I mean, yeah. the, the Star Fox demo at WonderCon... Two months ago was the same was one, the same one at E3 PAX, last year. Which was the same one at E3. Yes, it's kind of all the same. And Nintendo doesn't really send out a lot of preview code for its games, whereas no. a lot of these games like will have betas or they'll literally like send out preview code of the game. Nintendo like never does that anymore. And really, it's really never mm -hmm. done that to be honest. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where like you kind of gotta look at the whole show and be like, okay, what am I gonna be able to play again within the? And that's how I always look at the last day of E3. As I look around and I'm like, which of these games do I have the least chance of being able to play before they come out? Mm -hmm. And those are the games that I play at E3, typically, like on the floor. So I mean, I will. I don't know if it will even be there, uh, but if you can play Ace Combat 7 in VR, I will jump on that. I'll run at The Last Guardian, too, because, duh. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming it's playable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It shouldn't be out by E3. What the hell is going on? We just passed, I think it was last week, we passed the 10th anniversary of Final Fantasy Versus 13's announcement. I know. It's like, wow. It's crazy, man. It really wow. is. All right, we've got to wrap up the show, but before we go, it's time for the Sifted Elite Roll Call. This week's inductees into the Sifted Elite crew, Salvatron. How do I say that second name? Pierre? Eves. Eves. Pierre, Pierre, Eves, Mitchell Ness, Polish lad, AJ the Legend. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Going the extra mile to help support the site. You guys and or girls, if there are any girls in that group, are the man and or woman. I appreciate it very much. And that's going to do it, Matt. Another mm -hmm. excellent episode of Game Face. Next week, episode 50. 50. Big landmark. The big, what is the 50th anniversary? Is it the diamond, gold? gold? Diamond? I don't even know. Why am I looking at the young guy? He's not yeah. married. <laughs> what, what was it when in your first life? Yeah. In your first life, when you married your woman for 50 years, what was the anniversary? When you Tell me. When you paid her parents for her hand in marriage. <laughs> what was the dowry? <laughs> Ah, yep, having fun here. So yeah, next week, episode 50. I'll have to do something special. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but we'll whip up something. Try to have some fun for the big 5-0. Maybe, we'll maybe we'll bring in a guest. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I'll do my best to do something exciting. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, don't forget, Platinum Journey should be up tonight, maybe tomorrow, but coming up very soon. Um, hit those polls of the week. Um, I think that's it. Everybody have an excellent night. As always, thank you so much 
to everybody who's on the stream, but especially to our European friends. And that's going to become even more pronounced as the show shifts back an hour. So love you guys. Really appreciate your support. It's always great to see a great chat. And it uh, looks like we had another one tonight. So mm-hmm. everyone have an excellent night. Game Face is up and out. Thank you.